It's six o'clock, I'm Lee Agnew. The headlines, campaigners unhappy about Luton Airport's new noise levels. Three on murder charges in Wickham and people in Cuffley rally against a noxious smell. BBC Three Counties Radio. Campaigners against the continued expansion of Luton Airport are unhappy about plans to relax the conditions on noise levels. That's despite the airport introducing new technology last week to reduce the noise from aircraft. Tony Fisher reports. Luton Airport was given permission to double the number of passengers to 18 million a year back in December 2013. At the time, noise levels were agreed, but now the airport says they're too stringent and will lead to too many aircraft getting fined. Campaigners say relaxing the noise limits would ultimately lead to increased noise disturbance for residents living near the airport. Three people have been charged in connection with a murder in High Wycombe. It follows the death of 26-year-old Lee Gillespie in Church Street on Saturday. Catherine Boyle reports. 37-year-old Martin Stanislaus from Delta Grove in Northolt has been charged with murder, while 37-year-old Lee Burns from Wilcott Road in Ealing and 36-year-old Jodie Willis from the Mead Beaconsfield have been charged with conspiracy to commit murder. All three were arrested on Saturday and charged yesterday. They'll appear at High Wycombe Magistrates Court this morning. People from Cuffley in Hertfordshire are considering legal action to stop a smell, they say, is coming from a nearby farm. Around 100 people complained to the Environment Agency last week, saying the smell was worse than ever. But experts say the odour wasn't coming from the permitted compost facility at Cattlegate Farm. A government report says thousands of vulnerable people are being questioned by police without an appropriate adult being present. It says a lack of awareness among police officers and a shortage of trained volunteers are to blame. Chris Barth from the National Appropriate Adult Network says simple improvements are needed. What the police can do is invest in training, first of all, for their custody staff. They can make sure that their custody staff at least have an awareness of things like learning disabilities, mental health issues, autistic spectrum disorders. All the police have to do is identify a possibility of some vulnerability. They don't have to become psychiatrists or psychologists. A woman who's been stuck at Stoke Mandeville Hospital in Aylesbury for a fortnight despite being fit enough to be discharged is expected to go home today. Hertfordshire County Council's finally arranged for carers to attend the home of 87-year-old Margaret Mourns in Watford. In sport, the MK Dons will play Southampton in the third round of the Capital One Cup after a 2-1 win against Cardiff. It was a dramatic evening at Kenilworth Road where Luton were eventually beaten 8-7 on penalties by Premiership Stoke and Watford lost 1-0 away at Preston North End. The weather will be cloudy at first this morning with heavy rain at times but clearing to leave a dry and sunny end to the afternoon. Top temperatures around 21 degrees Celsius, that's 70 degrees Fahrenheit. You can get the latest news and sport online at BBC bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Thank you, Lee. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's three minutes past six exactly on Wednesday, the 26th of April, 20... April, excuse me. I've been away for two weeks. I'm still wearing this brain in for somebody. August 2015, wishful thinking, coming up in the next hour. Luton Airport is asking for rules on aviation noise to be relaxed. The smell that made bowlers wretch in Cuffley is back. And we wonder, what would convince you to get on your bike? You can text 81333, start your text 3CR. You can tweet us at BBC3CR. You can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Or 
Or you could be old-fashioned and pick up the telephone and give us a call. 03459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, if you live under the flight paths at Luton Airport, you'll be aware of the noise. Well, the airport is now seeking to get the stringent conditions on noise levels relaxed by Luton Borough Council. Otherwise, it says airlines will face more fines. Trouble is, the conditions on the noise impact were agreed back in December 2013 when the expansion plans were approved. Well, uh, we can um, go now to Sabra Swinson from St Albans, who is the founder of the Save Our Skies group. Good morning, Sabra. Good morning. Uh, Save Our Skies, tell us about it. We started it, a group of us started it um, back in 2012 to really um, object to the expansion at Luton and to monitor the increasing amount of plane noise that we were suffering in St Albans and the surrounding villages. And um, we've, we've, despite the, um, the expansion being um, approved, we are continuing to campaign you know, for the reduction of plane noise. So I don't know, your phone is a little bit muffled. Is, 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 are you on speakerphone or something? It's a little bit tricky to hear you, which is ironic as we're talking about noise. <laughs> no, I'm not on speakerphone. There we go. That's it. Don't, don't move from that position. Uh, this sounds a little bit cheeky on the, the part of the airport. The, the, the conditions were set in December 2013, and now they're saying they're not happy with the conditions. Yeah, we're really concerned about it, because if these, they do get these conditions changed, it's going to affect everybody. What impact does the noise and would more noise have on those in the flight path uh, path at Luton Airport? Well, it will affect everybody because it will affect people who are on uh, night shift who sleep during the day, people who are out in their garden, retired people, everybody, really. Obviously, one of the problems with the increased number of of passengers is there there are going to be increased numbers of flights. So, obviously, there are confined problems. St Albans District Council isn't happy uh, about it and says it will object, but realistically, will that hold much sway, do you think? Well, um, Luton Council has to tell them about the plans and they are objecting um, at a, a meeting on Monday night. You know, they approved a, to put in an objection and I think that, you know, it will hold some weight because it is a neighbouring council. Meanwhile, this is a strange kind of other side of the coin. The airport says it has new technology which aims to reduce noise disturbance. What, what do you know about that and is it working? Um, this is our nav. It's basically, I guess, sat nav for planes. Um, it started five days ago, and if it works, it will mean that the planes will follow a much narrower path over the densely populated areas of Hemelston, Dorbans, Redbourne, and Harpingdon. Um, in the past, they've kind of meandered off the path and have overflown areas that, that really they shouldn't have been doing so. So if this works, and it's early days, it is good news. Uh, are you convinced by it at all? Do you think it's it, it's going to work, or is it, is it too early to tell? I think it's too early to mm. tell. I mean, you know, we want to give the airport the benefit of the doubt, clearly, but, you know, the reality is, despite what they say, more and more people complain to us of plane noise. So, you know, we've got to monitor this really closely. Sabra, I really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much. Sabra Swinson from St Albans, the founder of the Save Our Skies group. One of my favourites now, it's the Eagles. Lion Eyes. Sleep 
With those dark sunglasses. The Eagles, Lion Eyes, they hated each other, but they made such wonderful music, didn't they? Didn't they? Morning, guys. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you want to get involved this morning, um, you can do 81333, start your text 3CR. You can tweet us at BBC3CR. Go to facebook.com forward slash 
BBC 3CR. Or why not give us a call, 0345 555. Don't forget, of course, if you're celebrating a birthday today, later on I'll be telling you which celebrities you're sharing a birthday with. And if you want to um, big up anybody uh, this morning, again, you can give us a call, 0345 555. It's 12 minutes past six. Um, I'm going to throw out the first question from the rolling quiz now, I think. We normally do this after half past six. I've got five questions. You know the rules, guys. I've got five questions here, five quiz questions. Uh, if you can answer one of the questions, that's great, but you also have to be able to set a question to replace it. I'm going to give out the first two questions, I think, so see if you know the answer to these. Which UK politician was replaced by a tub of lard when he failed to turn up for a recording of TV quiz show, Have I Got News For You? I was in the audience of Have I Got News For You once. And um, they record... I mean, the show is, what, half an hour, I think, when it's transmitted? They record about two and a half hours of stuff. And some of the stuff that they record, you can see why it doesn't make the final edit. Uh, Very, very rude. Which UK politician was replaced by a tub of lard when he failed to turn up for a recording of TV quiz show Have I Got News For You? If you know the answer to that. And you can set another question. 03459 555555. The second out of the five this morning from me is... Who played the title role in the 2005 film Nanny McPhee? Who played the title role in the 2005 film Nanny McPhee? Remember that? She had the uh, the wart on the nose and um, the hat. And if I remember correctly, there was a flying car in it. Was it? Was it Catherine, was it a, was the flying the scene in the flying car in that? Not in the 2005 Nanny McPhee. You're thinking of Nanny McPhee in the Big Bang. Thank you very much indeed. 03459 555 is the telephone number. You can text 81333. Start your text 3CR. You can also uh, tweet us at BBC3CR or facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. We'll be talking about bicycles later on in the show. I've got one. It's in the garage. I rode it the other day for about 10 minutes and I was absolutely exhausted. My buttocks were very, very sore afterwards. Uh, And I'll be honest, I'm a driver. I'm primarily a driver. Most of my uh, movement involves driving. Uh, And I just wondered, what would it take to get you out of your car and on to a bicycle. Are the roads too dangerous? Uh, Do we need to have special roadways for bicycles? Or would you like some form of of cash incentive? 03459 455 555. Just thinking out loud. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 6.15. Let's go to the travel centre and get the latest on the roads and the trains. Here's Sammy Bruff. <laughs> Thank you. On the M25 clockwise, there's been an accident on the exit slip road at Junction 21 for the M1. And so that's blocking it where the, it meets the M1. So it's causing some slight delays, but not too much at the moment because it's not very busy there yet. In St Albans on the North Orbital Road, there's a lane closed in both directions between the London Coney roundabout and the Park Street roundabout about because of roadworks there and that could cause some delays later and also in Hitchin on the A505 Fishwands Road that's closed in both directions between Bedford Road and Beerton Avenue and looking at speed sensors in High Wycombe it's very uh, quiet at the moment but Amersham Road's got some temporary traffic lights at Willow Chase which could cause some delays and there are no reports of any problems on the trains. Samantha Roof, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you so much Sammy. We'll find out later on in the show if Sammy is a bicycle rider. I suspect not. 
6.16 on the nose. It is Wednesday the 26th of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Campaigners say they'll fight plans to allow more noise from planes at Luton Airport. Three people have been charged with murdering a 26-year-old man in Wickham on Saturday evening. And people living in Cuffley say a smell they claim comes from a nearby farm is now worse than ever. The weather this morning, it's going to be wet but sunny by the end of the day. Every Sunday night from six. Getting people to talk publicly about their experiences of Islamophobia can be a challenge. Yasmin Khan. The guy just cut me off and came in front of me, put his window down and he started swearing at me while I was with my nine years old. Every Sunday night from six. Welcome along if you have just joined us. Leah, thank you. I don't know how people know this stuff but I appreciate you getting in touch. Yasmin Khan. Is it now the law that people should learn English if they want to stay in the UK? Yes, apparently it is, uh, unfortunately, the current law that uh, it's not only that they can show they're learning English, but they have to unfortunately pass the test. Yasmin Khan. Every Sunday night from six on BBC Three Counties Radio.
Britain's premier entertainer, real showman, Robbie Williams, Candy, 03459 455 555. Now, a smell so bad it made bowlers wretch and children cry is still getting up people's noses in Cuffley. Last week, residents described it as, quote, the worst smell yet as the Environment Agency received over a hundred complaints. They're now considering legal action to put a stop to the stench. Catherine's got more details on this. Good morning, Catherine. What are people saying? You'll remember we covered this earlier in the summer when the problems first occurred. Now, the local parish council say they've received dozens of complaints about the smell in the past. And if you remember, the clerk of the parish council, Jason Grocock, told us about the effect it's had on residents. I mean, there was one story about the bowls club having to cancel a game because of people retching. Local school children, poor things, had to cancel their outdoor summer play. It had to be kept indoors. It was so strong. Local resident Professor Don Davis also told us, I've had a nose for 80 years. He did say that, didn't he? Yeah, it was, it was a good line. And this does not smell like green waste, it smells brown. The Environment Agency issued an enforcement notice in June to reduce the effect of the smell on the surrounding properties, which the farm owners have incorporated into their processes. However, unfortunately, I have to report that last week the smell returned and residents say it's worse than ever, with around 100 people now complaining to the Environment Agency. What does the Environment Agency have to say about it? Well, after receiving all those reports, of course, they sent officers to investigate the source of this odour and they told us that they determined that the manure-type odour was not coming from the permitted compost facility at Cattlegate Farm. The manure smell is particularly common in rural areas in late summer because farms spread manure on their fields, so there are likely to be numerous other potential sources. They say that they've advised local residents to contact Wellin Hatfield Borough Council to report the manure smell, as this could potentially be assessed as a statutory nuisance matter. What are the residents going to do now? Well, they're convinced the composter does have something to do with this smell, despite what the environment agencies say, and they want to take matters further. They say they're now considering legal action and have begun to form a group to raise funds for independent investigations to use in a case against the farm. Let's take this story uh, and let's just uh, flip it on its head and go a bit crazy. Let's ask people to call in uh, with their favourite smells. Uh, what smells put a smile on your face? For me, it's freshly mown grass or tarmac after a heavy rain. Oh, the top of a newborn's head. Oh three four five nine four double five five double five. What smells put a smile on your face?
Sam Smith. Only one that can sing like that, Sam, and you keep on singing them. Oh, three, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Uh, we've had a couple of uh, texts with the answers to the rolling quiz. The two questions are: we, I've got five here. Don't forget, if you can answer the question, you need to be able to replace it with another one. Uh, which UK politician was replaced by a tub of lard when he failed to turn up for a recording of a TV quiz show? Have I got news for you? And who played the title role in the 2005 film Nanny McPhee? Uh, Dave from Hartford has texted in with the correct answers. Dave, you've got to give. Us a call 03459 And Scott on Twitter says, Was the politician who was replaced on Have I Got News for You, Harvey Proctor? Not the right answer, Scott. And again, you're going to have to call in if you want to play the game. Catherine, when was the last time you cycled anywhere? Um, must admit, my bike has been in the garage for a long time, undisturbed. But I did have a little go the other week when I was trying to encourage my uh, daughters to get on their bikes. So the other week? Yeah. OK. Uh, I cycled, um, as I was saying, it was about three or four weeks ago. I made a, a, a little journey to the local post office, not the main post office, the, the smaller, slightly more local one, um, to collect a parcel. Uh, it wasn't in, and I'm glad it wasn't in, because it turns out it was huge. But uh, it was a, a, ten minutes there, ten minutes back, and I'll be completely honest, I was exhausted, and I felt a little bit scared on the road. I felt a little bit scared, even though it was through some of the uh, the, 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 the narrower uh, uh, streets, quieter streets. I felt a little bit um, anxious. And I'm just wondering, when was the last time you rode a bike, and what would encourage you to ride your bike more often or is it simply impractical oh three four five nine four double five five double five you can text as well eight one three double three start your text 3cr tweet at bbc 3cr or go to facebook.com forward slash bbc 3cr and what sounds we're doing a story about stinky smells yabu what smells put a smile on your face and make you feel just that little bit happier oh three four five nine four double five five double five you can text eight one three double three start your text 3cr tweet at bbc 3cr or you could go to the face Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. It's 6.28. Let's go right to the travel centre now and get the latest on the roads and the trains. Here's Sammy Brass. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Sammy, are you there? Hello. She's yeah. there. I, I don't know what happened there. We're gremlins today. Gremlins. Uh, gremlins. Sammy. OK, the yeah. M25 Thank you, has a lane blocked anti-clockwise at Junction 21 for the M1, and that's because of an accident that's happened. Also on the North Orbital Road, it's look, they're looking OK at the moment where the roadworks are, but there's a lane closed between the Park Street roundabout and the London Coney roundabout. Having a look at the roadworks in Chalfont St Peter and Amersham Road, and they're at Mistbourne Avenue, but they're not causing any delays at the moment. And looking at the train departure boards, there are no delays showing up either. Samantha Breath, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank Thank you, Sammy. Gremlins in the machines and gremlins in my head. 03-459-455-555. Give us a call. Maybe we'll be talking to you after we get the news from Lee Agnew. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
It's half past six. The headlines. Campaigners are unhappy about plans to relax the noise levels on planes at London Luton Airport. Its operators say that due to expansion, agreed rules about noise levels are too stringent. Three people have been charged in connection with a murder in High Wycombe. It follows the death of 26-year-old Lee Gillespie in Church Street on Saturday. And people from Cuffley in Hertfordshire are considering legal action to stop a smell they say comes from a nearby farm. Experts from the Environment Agency say there's no evidence it originates from a permitted compost facility. The weather will be cloudy at first this morning with heavy rain at times, but clearing to leave a dry and sunny end to the day. Top temperatures around 21 degrees Celsius at 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The MK Dons will play Southampton at Stadium MK in the third round of the Capital One Cup. It follows their 2-1 win after extra time against Cardiff. Manager Carl Robinson was impressed with his side. It's 10 of the 14 players we've used 24 and under, 23 and under to an extent. So when you look at that, that's a really young side that started and when we put all the subs on, they were young as well. So I thought the players really conducted one device. They're a young side who, who I think have really entertained this evening against a very good Cardiff side. The stoppage time equaliser forced extra time for Luton Town against Stoke at Kenilworth Road. With the score level, the Hatters lost 8-7 on penalties to the Premiership side, with Luton defender Scott Griffiths missing his penalty in sudden death. Scott Griffiths hits the crossbar. Wouldn't late the rest. Now Cameron for Stoke. Scores! Stoke City are through. Luton Town are out. Watford lost 1-0 at Preston North End. The Hornets fell behind early on and finished the game with 10 men after Miguel Britos received a second yellow. Head coach Kike Flores wasn't happy with the decision. I completely disagree with this decision. Miguel disappointed with the result. It's true that uh, we, we decided maybe to draw. Again, this moment we received the, the centre of, of the of Britos. It was difficult to, to play against uh, 11 against 10. Mo Farah is through to the final of the 5,000 metres at the World Athletics Championships in Beijing. Greg Rutherford will receive his gold medal today after yesterday's victory in the long jump, while Usain Bolt and Justin Gatling compete in the men's 200-metre semi-finals. BBC Three Counties News and Sport, more at 7 o'clock. You mentioned Greg Rutherford there, Lee. Uh, mm. On the back pages of all the uh, newspapers, uh, local hero, local legend, he's done something quite special, hasn't he? He has. He's, he's basically won all the major championships at the same time and only I think four or five other people in um, athletics ah, history have done that can you name the other four I know Daley Thompson Daley is one Thompson Sally Gunnell right Oh three four five nine four double five five double five. thank you Lee this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio and thank you Greg for putting a smile on our faces this morning. Can you name the other... I think it is four um, uh, other athletes that have uh, held those uh, titles, the four major titles, at the same time. Daley Thompson, of course. Sally Gunnell, obviously. Uh, who were the other two? Oh, that's got my head going, huh?
The Carpenters, please, Mr Postman, please. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 6.35. How's your morning going so far? Well, hopefully we can put a smile on it. Uh, well, this might not put a smile on it. It might make your legs ache. It's seven days until National Cycle to Work Day. Now, this aims to get people to swap their car for their bicycle for at least one day in the year. But will people jump at the chance to take their bike to work? What would encourage you to cycle to work? Well, Danny Fulbrook went to the streets to find out. I want to ride my It's just over a week until Cycle to Work Day. The national event aims to encourage everyone to take two wheels and cycle to work on September 3rd. I asked cyclists in Dunstable what they feel the benefits are of cycling to work. I cycle to work every day, so... Uh, what are the benefits of cycling to work? Uh, well, these days, traffic, apart from your health reasons, obviously, but traffic... Uh, I've, I've cycled to work when I can for a long time more people did it, it'd probably be less traffic on the road we'd all get to work quicker. Do you think more people should be doing it? It, it depends on, it depends on your, what time scale you've got and circumstances really, doesn't it? But yeah. You used to cycle to work, you don't anymore, yeah. but when you did, what did you find the benefits were? Well the benefits were obviously fitness and uh, once you got into it, the, the enjoyment of, of actually riding on the morning and knowing that you were going to you know, get the heart pumping and, and get going and seeing what you could see on the bike, a lot more interesting than in the car. Do you think more people should be cycling to work? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, it's fun. Once you get once you get used to it, it's, it just becomes part of, of what you do. You don't even think about it. But what about motorists? Are they prepared to abandon their cars in favour of a bicycle? Would you give up your car to cycle to work? Yes, I would, yeah. Why is that? Um, because cycling's fun and also getting fit is, is pretty crucial. And driving's boring. No, because I work quite far away. <laughs> no, I work quite far away. So, yeah, if it was nearer where I needed to go to, then yeah. But I have workers to support workers, so I need my car because we go out and about. I live quite far away from work, so probably not. So you kind of rely on your car? Yeah, that's true. I live in Australia, mate, so no. Well, how far is work from you? Uh, good half an hour. Yeah. Long way. 40 degrees, you see melt on that push bike. Then you've got to do a whole shift whilst you're there, sweating like a piglet. Can't be done, mate. Need the old good old air conditioning in the car. What about in this country? Do you think it's a thing that can be done? Absolutely. Yeah, just, yeah, just to keep warm, mate. It's freezing. It's summertime. Hey. <laughs> eh? I want to ride my bicycle. I want to ride it where I like. Our reporter Danny Fulbrook there, out on the streets in beds, hearts and bucks. Well, that's the opinion of some of those people. But what would you do? Maybe you are a keen cyclist and you can't understand why people are so reluctant to get on their bikes well do give us a call and, and sell the virtues of cycling 03459 555. maybe you tried it once and you just thought nah not for me well you can give us a call as well same phone number 03459 555. here's someone who's not shy Stacey Solomon Gave me those butterflies The minute I caught your stare The room was electrified And we were both standing there The feeling was so intense My heart, it was beating fast 
send you a little prayer to not let this moment pass. your birthday today happy birthday to you we'll be telling you which celebrities you share your birthday with before that though let's let's give out the uh, the next two questions in the rolling quiz remember we give out five questions a day uh, if you can answer them that's great but it doesn't end there there's a bit more fun involved you then have to set your own question so the two we've had so far which politician was replaced by a tub of lard when he failed to turn up for a recording of tv quiz show have i got news for you um, I thought this was quite an easy one. The only suggestion we've had so far, Harvey Proctor, uh, um, incorrect. Second question. And if you've got kids of a certain age, you should probably get this one. Who played the title role in the 2005 film Nanny McPhee? Who played the title role in the 2005 film Nanny McPhee? Very well-respected actress, although it's unlikely you would have recognised her if you saw her in the film. She had a big wart. Did she have a big wart on her nose, I think, Catherine? Yes, she did. Question number three. And I had to think about this one for a bit, but I got it. I did get it. 
And not just because the answer was written on the sheet of paper. I did know this one. What was the name of Lucille Ball's Cuban band leader first husband? What was the name of Lucille Ball's Cuban band leader first husband? And uh, the final one for now, another one to come a little bit later on. Who played the flatmate Dermot in UK TV's Men Behaving Badly? Replaced after series one by Neil Morrissey's character Tony. Aha! Not quite as simple as you thought. Who played the flatmate Dermot in UK TV's Men Behaving Badly? Replaced after one series by Neil Morrissey's character Tony. And probably better for it. I didn't know this one. It's a surprise. Quick recap of those questions again. And then I'll give out the phone number. Make sure you've got a pencil and paper ready. Which UK politician was replaced by a tub of lard when he failed to turn up for a recording of TV quiz show? Have I got news for you? Number two. Who played the title role in the 2005 film Nanny McPhee? Question three. What was the name of Lucille Ball's Cuban band leader, first husband? And D, who played the flatmate Dermot in UK TV's Men Behaving Badly, replaced after one series by Neil Morrissey's character Tony? Remember, it's not enough to just know the answers. You've also got to know a question to set after it. 03459 555555 uh, is the telephone number. It's coming up to 6.45. That means it's travel time. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M25, there's a lane blocked clockwise at Junction 21 for the M1, and that's because of an accident that's happened on the slip road for the the exit slip road for the northbound M1. On the M25, also it's slow anti-clockwise at Junction 19 for Watford, and the Great North Road in Hatfield has roadworks at St Albans Road East, so that is looking okay at the moment, but could get busy later on. In Stevenage on Hitchin Road, there's a lane closed because of water mains works going on between Gunnelswood Road and Corey Mill Lane at the Lister Hospital roundabout, and there's no reported problems on the trains at the moment. Samantha Bruff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Cycle much, Sammy? I do, every day. Fantastic. 6.45, it is Wednesday the 26th of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Campaigners say they'll fight plans to allow more noise from planes at Luton Airport. Three people have been charged with murdering a 26-year-old man in Wickham on Saturday evening. And people living in Cuffley say that a smell they claim comes from a nearby farm is now worse than ever. 03459 555555. We're doing what we do uh, most mornings. We're taking that story and turning it upside down and asking what smells make you smile. Let's get the weather. Here's Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. I'm afraid the wet office has yet another yellow weather warning in place for heavy rain. Most places should be dry at the moment, although the rain just sneaking into parts of West Buckinghamshire at the moment and also up in Bedfordshire. But the main heavy rain will arrive um, a little bit later on. It's accompanied by a strengthening southwesterly breeze. We could get some localised flooding. It's all coupled with the rain we've already had this week. It is going to cause some problems. Surface brashes, particularly during the rush hour this morning as well. But the good news, and we have to look for some good news, is that it should clear later on this afternoon, slowly edging away, leaving a brighter end of the afternoon. We may even see a bit of sunshine before it sets. Maximum temperature today, 21 Celsius. Overnight tonight, dry and clear in the most part. Temperatures down to 11 Celsius. We could, there's a risk of maybe a shower towards dawn tomorrow morning, but in the most part it should stay dry and it's a quieter day for Thursday. Even some sunny spells through tomorrow. Maximum temperature 20 Celsius. And that's your forecast. Thank you, Kate. 
Treasure Quest on BBC Three Counties Radio. I don't want this show to be censored. You've got a clean house? No. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, feel free to text in whatever you want to me. Hello. <coughs> Sorry. Gave <coughs> here. <laughs> you were right for all this. Gosh, I thought we were going to have our first live death. Saturday mornings from nine. I'm going to help the female section of the quiz, the quiz this morning. All Liz will do is just not let you have... Part two. In a new feature, let's find out. Ernie, how are you in your big rubbery face? It's a cross between Jacques Par, uh, Pat, uh, hang on. <laughs> Treasure Quest, every Saturday morning from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. Busy. BBC Three Counties Radio. Busy show this morning. The rolling quiz rolls right on through the morning. What smells make you smile and cycling? Colin's in Dunstable. Good morning, Colin. Morning. Colin, what have you called in for? It's my birthday. Oh, Colin! Happy birthday, Colin. 21 again. Oh, would you rest. like to know which celebrities you share your birthday with? I would, actually. OK, well, let's uh, let's have a little rundown and uh, see which birthdays you share, uh, which celebrities you share your birthday with. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. OK, let's go through the list. You share, uh, share your birthday, not with share, with Shirley Manson, who was born on this day in 1966. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Alison Steadman. Now, what year, Colin, would you say Alison Steadman was born? Oh, I have no idea whatsoever. Have a guess. No, I couldn't. Yeah. Have a guess. It's um, a it's a year. What year would you say? She's the famous actress, of course. Was married to Mike Lee for a long time. Uh, star of Abigail's Party and many many other uh, uh, TV programs and, and and films. Have a guess. Nineteen forty-eight. Oh, I thought you said you didn't know. I don't. Well, pure guess. It was it was a good guess. It wasn't quite right. Nineteen forty-six. Oh, only two years out. Only two years out. So we say to Alison... Happy birthday to you. Uh, let's go through some more. Uh, Gaynor Fay was born in 1971. Never uh, heard of her. Uh, Natalie Lungi was born in 1986. And Mary Ann Nichols, she was born in 1845. Do you know who Mary Ann Nichols was, Colin? No, I don't. Well, it says here she was a sex worker and she was the first victim of Jack the Ripper. Oh. What we say to Marianne Nichols? Happy birthday to you. And we say to you, Colin, happy birthday, happy mate. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. And we say to Lamar, great new single. Give me a ticket for an airplane I ain't got no time To take no fast train Oh, the lonely days are gone And I'm coming home 
Cause my baby, she don't owe me a letter Yeah I don't care how much I gotta spend I'ma find my way Find my way home again Oh, the lonely days are gone And I'm coming home Cause my baby, she don't owe me a letter their institutes and mothers unions and mothers meetings but what about us blokes well my next guest uh, uh, found fellowship in a group called men in sheds after a decade of being unemployed and isolated the scheme brings like-minded men together to enjoy practical activities such as woodworking and was set up in aylesbury november 2012 by community impact bucks with funding and support from buckinghamshire county council's local area forum well glenn fox pearson uh, joins me now uh, morning glenn thanks for joining me tell us about men in sheds what is it uh, it's it's a social group just for people to greet, gather together and do different activities. Uh, we do woodwork, we do metalwork, there's some uh, photography, uh, there's computers, there's electronics. And what was your life like, Glyn, before you found Men in Sheds and how has it changed since you've become a member? Well, I had an accident many years ago and hurt my back and my back was operated on. But since then, if you go for an interview, people just don't want to know you. You've got a back injury, you're you're a risk. So 
finding the job was very difficult. And uh, I got depressed. And I was on a downward spiral, sitting at home, watching TV, doing nothing particular, going to bed, getting up, watching TV again. And that was my life until one day I met a guy called Reg. God rest his soul, he's now dead. But uh, he invited me down to the shed and I met the guys, got drinking tea, chatting, and uh, never looked back a sense, really. How often do you go, Glyn? I'm down there four or five days a week now. Right, OK, OK. So it's, it's, you, 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 uh, and you mentioned being depressed and, you know, struggling to get out of bed and... Oh, you know, we, I think a lot of us have had periods where we just, that, that we're wasting our lives away watching Jeremy Kyle and Cash in the Attic. Um, it, it, it's really turned that around, has it, and, and lifted you out of yourself a bit? Oh, yeah, yeah. I uh, I get out and about and meet people now. I mean, that's, that's a big help. But it's not just for guys with depression. I mean, some people just treat it as a club. Some people do it after work or on the day off, or if the work shifts, they do it on the days off. And when you met Reg, uh, who sounds like a, he was a very special gentleman, and he said, Glenn, come with me, load of blokes hanging around in a shed. Did you not think that sounds a little bit peculiar? Well, no, they were actually on the market at the time. Right. And uh, there was items for sale there that they'd actually made at the shed. Ah, OK, I see. So... Uh, Having liked wood in the past and, you know, being a hobby woodworker, I thought, you know, I, I might want to do some of this. Now, listen, I don't like wood um, and I'm totally impractical when it comes to um, things like that. Would I still fit in? Oh, yeah, because, as I say, there's lots more activities. There's computers, there's photography, there's radio club, there's oh. uh, electronics. There's There's always something for... Everyone. What happens in Radio uh, Club? Well, that that they're, they're a bunch of ham radio yep. enthusiasts, I think. Right. But they also fix radios and things like that. Fantastic. And is there an age limit? Is there a, mi- a minimum age you have to be, or is it open to all blokes? Well, at some men in sheds clubs, because they're all over the world now. There is age limits, but with us, as long as you're above the age of 18 to the age of death, <laughs> you're <all> welcome. <laughs> Beyond death, I'm afraid, we're going to have to rescind your membership. Uh, Glenn, it sounds brilliant, and I'm really pleased you've turned your life, you know, it, 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 it's maybe turned your life around is, is a slight um, exaggeration, but it sounds like it's really helped. If people want to find out more about it, how, how can they? We are on Facebook. We are on the internet. Uh, the local council can give you a phone number. Brilliant. There's flyers in libraries and things like that. So, so just keep just keep an eye out for it. Google it and it'll pop up. Clint, really nice to talk yeah. to you, mate. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 6.59, exactly. Let's find out what's happening on the roads and the trains. Here's Sammy Bruff. 
On the M25 anti-clockwise, it's very busy between junction 21 for the M1 and 19 for the A41 at Watford. And also in Brickettwood on the North Orbital roundabout at the junction 21A at roundabout for the M25, it's looking very busy. On In Denham, on the Denham Road, it's very slow southbound from the M40 at Denham towards Seven Hills Road in Ivor Heath. And in High Wycombe, it's still very quiet at the moment looking at the speed sensors, but there are roadworks at Wordsworth Road, which could cause some delays. No reported delays on the trains at the moment, though. Samantha Brough, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sammy the Cyclist, as I'm going to call you from now on. Still lots to come. The rolling quiz rolls right on through the show. And what smells make you smile? Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's seven o'clock, I'm Lee Agnew. The headlines, campaigners unhappy about Luton Airport's planned noise levels. Three on murder charges in Wickham and people in Cuffley rally against a noxious smell. BBC Three Counties Radio. Campaigners are unhappy about plans to change the noise levels from planes at London Luton Airport. The airport says that due to expansion, existing rules about noise levels are too stringent. But Sabra Swinson from the Save Our Skies group in St Albans says it would have a massive impact on the area. It will affect everybody because it will affect people who are on uh, night shift who sleep during the day, people who are out in their garden, retired people, everybody really. Obviously one of the problems with the increased number of, of passengers is there are, increased num- there are going to be increased numbers of flights. So obviously you know, there are confined problems. Three people have been charged in connection with a murder in High Wycombe. It follows the death of 26-year-old Lee Gillespie in Church Street on Saturday. Catherine Boyle reports. 37-year-old Martin Stanislaus from Delta Grove in Northolt has been charged with murder while 37-year-old Lee Burns from Wilcott Road in Ealing and 36-year-old Jodie Willis from the Mead Beaconsfield have been charged with conspiracy to commit murder. All three were arrested on Saturday and charged yesterday. They'll appear at High Wycombe Magistrates Court this morning. People from Cuffley in Hertfordshire are considering legal action to stop a smell they say is coming from a nearby farm. Around 100 people complained to the Environment Agency last week, saying the smell was worse than ever. But experts say the odour wasn't coming from the permitted compost facility at Cattlegate Farm. A government report says thousands of vulnerable people are being questioned by police without an appropriate adult being present. It says a lack of awareness among police officers and a shortage of trained volunteers are to blame. Chris Bath from the National Appropriate Adult Network says simple improvements are needed. What the police can do is invest in training, first of all, for their custody staff. They can make sure that their custody staff at least have an awareness of things like learning disabilities, mental health issues, autistic spectrum disorders. All the police have to do is identify a possibility of some vulnerability. They don't have to become psychiatrists or psychologists. A woman who's been stuck at Stoke Mandeville Hospital in Aylesbury for a fortnight despite being fit enough to be discharged is expected to go home today. Hertfordshire County Council's finally arranged for carers to attend the home of 87-year-old Margaret Morn in Watford. In sports, the MK Dons will play Southampton in the third round of the Capital One Cup after a 2-1 win against Cardiff. It was a dramatic evening at Kenilworth Road where Luton were eventually beaten 8-7 on penalties by Premiership Stoke and Watford lost 1-0 away at 
Preston North End. The weather will be cloudy at first this morning with heavy rain at times but clearing to leave a dry and sunny end to the afternoon. Top temperatures around 21 degrees Celsius at 70 degrees Fahrenheit. You can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Lee, we think we've got it. We're talking about Greg Rutherford, local hero now, who is, um, uh, he's, let me get this right, because you know I'm not particularly sporty. He's, um, he holds all four major titles at the same time. That's right. After he won, was it the World Championships yep. yesterday? Yep. Four other people have done it. The two we had, Daley Thompson, yep. Sally Gunnell. Now, does this sound right? This has been texted in um, by uh, Dave from Hartford. Linford Christie mm-hmm. and Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards, possibly, but he gets an extra hop and a skip, so he doesn't really count. So that's cheating a little bit. Well, well Edwards is off the list. Thank you very much, Lee. <laughs> I could never do the triple jump, or is it, what was it called? What was it called at school? The hop, step, and the jump. Was that it? I could never do it. My brain couldn't break it down into separate parts. Morning, gang. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's four minutes past seven. It's Wednesday, the 26th of August, and you don't want to go anywhere because it is miserable out there. Coming up in the next hour. Luton Airport is asking for rules on aviation noise to be relaxed. Cuffley residents are kicking up a stink over a terrible smell. And how man's best friend is doing his bit for a local charity. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. If you want to take part in the show this morning, you can do 03459 555555. You can text. We'll have a look at the text in a second. 81333. Start your text, 3CR. You can tweet us at BBC 3CR or you can go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR or you can email ian.ly at bbc.co.uk. Catherine Boyle is monitoring the text machine. Er, outdoors. I say outdoors, I mean outdoors of the studio. Of course, you're in the, your own separate studio. You are actually indoors. What are the texts saying, Catherine? Oh, it's, I got the wrong fader. There we go. Let's try again. Where do you want to start? Bicycles? Seven days to go before take your bicycle to work day. Yep. So we're asking, what would make you get on your bike? Uh, to get back on a bike, stop f- road tax on fuel rip-off England, says Anonymous. Steve says, uh, a saddle that doesn't make me feel like I'm being made infertile. I mean, they can be very um, uncomfortable. So Dave from Hartford wants to answer the question about the... Um, what was it you were asking about... Um, Athletes winning loads of things. We, well, Greg Rutherford. We think we've uh, we've just read Dave's uh, text out between Lee and myself, but he's come up with the other two names of the four other athletes who've c- completed the uh, uh, holding four major titles at the same time. Wow. So yeah, he thinks he thinks Linford Christie and Jonathan Edwards. Thank you very much, Catherine. We're also um, asking what smells make you smile. We're doing a story. A rather stinky smell that's um, actually caused some people to uh, to vomit. And we are uh, turning that story upside down, as we often do, and asking the opposite. What smells make you smile? Uh, 03459 455 555 81333. Start your text 3CR. You can uh, tweet us at BBC3CR, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR, or you can email ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Now, campaigners against the expansion of Luton Airport are unhappy about plans to have the conditions on the noise levels of the aircraft relaxed. 
Luton Airport was given permission to double the number of passengers to 18 million a year back in December 2013. At the time, noise levels were agreed, but now the airport says they're too stringent and will lead to too many aircraft getting fined. Huh? Andrew Lambourne is from Hale, Hertfordshire, against Luton expansion and joins me now. Morning, Andrew. Morning, Ian. This has got me um, scratching my head a little bit. These levels were set in 2013. The airport agreed to them. And now, a little over 18 months later, they're saying, oh, actually, we can't meet these levels. What do you make of it all? It's perplexing. And I think, actually, it's a battle between noise consultants. Uh, what happened was, as you've rightly pointed out, Luton Borough Council were responsible for drafting planning conditions which were set in relation to the expansion that they were going to allow. But unfortunately, when they drafted them, they didn't make the wording very clear, and the airport's noise experts claim that they also won't necessarily have the desired effect of, of incentivising the use of quieter aircraft. And I think the reason for all this was because it was rushed through in order to get the planning meeting in the December so that they didn't time out and have to start the process all over again. So what we're now trying to do is to pick up the pieces from that and find a way forward which is practical and workable but doesn't let the airlines get away with continuing to fly noisy planes where they could use quieter ones. Well, what is the way forward then? I'm assuming one can't simply demand that the air companies use quieter aircraft. Is there any compromise that can be reached? There is a compromise, and I think what's being done now is, is, is a, a more measured look at the, at the proposals that are in place, saying, yes, they have to incentivise the use of quieter aircraft, but obviously, being practical, you can't just change your entire fleet overnight. So what they should do is drive the airlines towards the use of, of quieter aircraft by showing that that would make sense to them. Now, one aspect of that, obviously, is finding the noisier aircraft, but I think what the airport is arguing, you can't go more or less overnight from fining a handful a year to fining dozens or even hundreds a year. And I think that's the issue. And, and where it's, I think, biting particularly is that for the uh, less noisy aircraft, they are more likely, in fact, to hit their particular fine threshold than the noisier aircraft. So what we want to see is a system set up which is more equitable and which actually genuinely... Uh, incentivizes the airlines to use the less noisy aircraft. Now, what's happened is that Harts County has had a noise consultant look at this and they've proposed a kind of middle way, which is, uh, I think, much more practical than the uh, system, the very complex system that Luton Borough Council set up, but doesn't sort of sweep the whole thing away in the way that the airport operators have asked for. I mean, the airport saying they want to change things, that, that's going to anger people a lot, isn't it? Uh, if people are still, in fact, uh, interested enough in this, I think the principle of asking for a very onerous um, uh, planning expansion, which at the planning meeting all of the Luton Borough councillors said they were very concerned about the impacts of noise, I think the principle of asking for that, of getting permission subject to conditions, and then turning around and saying, ooh, those conditions are too strict makes people think that there's something fishy going on. But then a lot of people thought there was something fishy going on when the owners of the airport were the ones who gave permission for it to expand. 
this new technology that the airport, I think they've just introduced it in the last four or five days to reduce noise disturbance. What is it and will it work? Well, the idea of this new technology is so that the aircraft navigate more accurately down a defined track. And the defined track is designed so that it minimises, it, it keeps as far as possible from all of the communities it can. Now, as we know, this is a crowded area. There's lots of towns and villages in the, in the path of where these aircraft have to fly. And what they've done is they've defined a track that sort of goes down in the middle of those, in between them, so that it ideally doesn't go over reasonably well-built-up uh, towns and villages. And that means that the aircraft will be more tightly grouped and hopefully can thread their way through, for example, between Marcade and Flamster, between Redbourne and Hemel, without going over the communities directly. But because it's all a pretty crowded area and, and these gaps are pretty small, I mean, you know, a mile wide, and you've got your aircraft going down the middle of that, it's not going to make a huge difference, but it should make some difference. The downside will be anybody who actually lives right under... That, they're going to be doubly punished, aren't they? the whole lot. And, you know, what we're doing is keeping a very close eye. For example, when the aircraft get out as far as Sandridge... At the moment, that line goes straight over the village, and what we're going to be looking for is seeing whether the people there do notice a, a negative impact. But the, in theory, it should allow them to be better controlled, and they can then apply that to their other routes. For example, if when the, when the aircraft are taking off to the east, at the moment they're curling around and going out straight over, Hemel, uh, over Hitchin, you know, and one will be looking to see if there's anything that can be done if the track can be better controlled. At the moment when they come in... A lot of them are going straight over the south of Lake mm. Buzzard. And again, if they can be better controlled, then maybe the track can be shifted away from directly over the town. Andrew, I really appreciate your uh, your input on this. It's fascinating stuff and it affects a lot of people. And uh, I think people still are interested in this, particularly if it affects them. That's right, Andrew Lamborn, who's from Hale, Hertfordshire against Luton Expansion. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Um, don't forget, if you've got an event or something happening this weekend in Beds, Hearts and Bucks, give us a call and we'll plug it in our events corner a little bit later on in the show. 03459 455 555. Colin's from Dunstable is on the line now. Morning, Colin. Again. Colin, what would you... Oh, you've called in for the rolling quiz, I've been reliably informed. Yeah. Maybe, I tell you what I'm going to do. why I rang in earlier. I tell you what I'm going to do, Colin. I'm going to read out all five questions at the moment. Well, Ooh, I've, I've only heard one. I've just been told that my uh, correct answer bell has been stolen. Can you believe what? that? There, there are light fingers... I'm not literally accusing someone of stealing it, but there are light fingers in the office... And my uh, correct answer bell has uh, been stolen, so... Um, maybe, never maybe it's just been put away somewhere. These are the questions. And uh, don't forget, if you can answer any of these, and you can replace them with another question, give us a call. Which UK politician was replaced by a tub of lard when he failed to turn up for a recording of TV quiz show Have I Got News For You? Number two, who played the title role in the 2005 film Nanny McPhee? Number three, what was the name of Lucille Ball's Cuban band leader first husband? I remember him very well. Number four, who played the flatmate Dermot in UK TV's Men Behaving Badly, replaced after series one 
by Neil Morrissey's character Tony. And number five, which was the first British TV game show to be adapted for screening in the USA? That's the new question. Which one of those can you answer, Colin? I think I can answer the Lucille Ball one. Okay, well the, what was the name of Lucille Ball's Cuban band leader, first husband? You think you know the answer to, to that, do you, Colin? Mm. Stay there, we'll find out if he's got it right after the travel with Sammy Bruff. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M25, there are delays anti-clockwise between Junction 22 for St Albans and 21A for the M1 South because of vehicles broken down. There are, all the lanes are open, it's just very, very slow at the moment. And it's also slow anti-clockwise between Junction 16 for the M40 and 15 for the M4. In Denham, there, on Denham Road southbound from the M40 at Denham towards Seven Hills Road in Ivor Heath, it's very slow. And in Chalfont St Peter on Amersham Road, there's roadworks going on at Mistbourne Avenue, which could cause some delays. And the A41 Gatehouse Road in Aylesbury has road works at Gatehouseway and that's looking a little slow at the moment on the speed sensors and looking at the train departure boards the 725 train from Watford Junction to Tring is delayed Samantha Bruff BBC Three Counties Radio Sammy thank you very much Seven sixteen. It's Wednesday, the twenty sixth of August, and it is miserable out there. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Luton, uh, London Luton Airport says the strict rules on noise levels from its planes need to be relaxed. Three people will appear in court this morning, charged with murdering a man in Wickham on Saturday evening. And residents of Cuffley say that a smell they claim comes from a nearby composting centre is now worse than ever. Ever. The weather will be uh, wet. I'm breaking them in for somebody else. The weather will be wet this morning, but sunny by the end of the day. Even if you can't get to the match... Already, we're hearing stories of Watford fans saying that they are going to struggle to get here. Or listen to the commentary... Got quick feet, hasn't he? Quick feet and good skill and good vision. You can still keep up to date with your local team with Three Counties Sport. There is the half-time whistle. It's nil-nil. Plenty to ponder. Follow us on Twitter to get all the team news. There's two changes from the team that won a Barnet on Saturday. Goals as they happen. Trying to make room for the shot. Barrier to the corner of the net. Super goal from Luton Town. And reaction at the final whistle. Momentum changes very quickly in these games and uh, we're disappointed for that. Twitter.com slash BBC3CR and stay up to date with your local team. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. We're playing the rolling quiz. The rules, very, very simple. I read out five questions. Uh, If you can answer one, fantastic. But you've got to be able to set your own question. Before the travel, we were speaking to uh, Colin in Dunstable, who claimed he knew the answer to this. What was the name of Lucille Ball's Cuban band leader, first husband? Well, uh, Colin, um, who do you think it was? Desi Arnaz. You're saying Desi Arnaz. Mm, or he, his son, Desi Arnaz Jr., I can't remember which. You're saying either Desi Arnaz or Desi Arnaz... Let's forget the junior bit. Let's stick with the Desi Arnaz, right. shall we? Mm-hmm. You got it right, Colin. Congratulations. Now, Thank you. the fun doesn't end there. The fun multiplies now. We're in the multiply zone. You need to uh, set the listener a question. What have you got for us, Col? Who lived in... Hargreaves clothes in Chessant for many, well, for several years. Now, was it someone famous? It's not your nan or someone, is it? No, someone very famous. And, in fact, he's been in the news 
in the last week or so um, being over here. Okay. It's not Harvey Proctor, is it? Sorry? So who lived in Hargreaves Close in Cheshunt for many years and they're very, very famous? Mm. Don't tell me the answer. I'm going to put you back to my team. Girls, if you could jot down the answer, please. And um, uh, if you know the answer to that, 03459 455 555. Don't forget, though, you uh, the fun doesn't end there. The fun only multiplies as you have to set your own question. We'll go through those questions a little bit later on, but on to well, slightly more serious things. A smell so bad it made bowlers wretch and children cry is still getting up people's noses. <laughs> In Cuffley, last week, residents described it as the worst smell yet, as the Environment Agency received over 100 complaints. They're now considering taking legal action to put a stop to the stench. Well, Jason Grocock is the clerk for Northor and Cuffley Parish Council and joins me now. Jason, we've spoken about this before. Has it got yes, worse? Yes, the, the same? Has it, has it improved at any point? Uh, There have been periods when um, the smell hasn't been there at all, actually. Um, But last week, um, uh, residents did say it was the worst it has ever been. It was like Thursday, Friday last week, and um, and certainly on Thursday and and more than ever on Friday, I was inundated with calls and people coming into my um, uh, office in Cuffling. Now, I was away uh, last week. I was uh, holidaying in Zakynthos. Lucky me. So I don't know what the weather was like here last Thursday and Friday. Was it, was it, was it nice weather? Because that often makes these smells worse, doesn't it? Yes, it was quite nice weather. It was quite warm. And that is, is the time when it seems to be worse. Yeah. And probably the wind was in the right sort of direction as well. There wasn't a lot of wind. Actually, there wasn't a lot of wind at all. It was fairly still. And that, that seems to me um, make it worse as well sometimes. Um, over 100 people reported it to the Environment Agency. What did they do? Um, well, they did um, say they would be um, visiting, and they said they would get back to us with a sort of like a, an update at the end of the day, and, and they did indeed. But when they did have the visit, whilst they accepted um, that there was some um, uh, smells, and, and um, I think they said they were, you know, quite unacceptable. They did um, visit the local um, Cattlegate Farm composter site, which is where um, nearly everyone is sort of like convinced the smell was coming from. But they said they could not confirm it actually came from Cattlegate Farm, and, and that those sort of like uh, did really sort of like amaze a lot of people. The composter site is the one where the residents are pointing their fingers. At. If the uh, if they're not holding their noses with the other fingers, the Environment Agency says it's not there. Where are they suggesting the smell is coming from then? Well, they, they didn't actually say it's not there. I, I believe they said they couldn't confirm ah, it was there. Ah, OK, yeah. And, and, um, uh, and they couldn't um, confirm where it was actually coming from. Uh, the farm had been given an enforcement notice in the past. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. Any effect? Uh, well, for a while, yes. I don't know whether it was a coincidence, but for a while, yes, it did improve after, after that. But then, as I say, last week... Um, it was the worst ever, and we had we had some quite colourful descriptions of the uh, of the smell. And and I have been for some time now making available odour uh, reporting forms, what they're called, which are the official forms which you can contact. And we yeah we so I collect them and we send them to the environment agency and to the um, environmental health um, people as well. Jason, I'm going to ask you an almost impossible question, but I think you can deal with this. What <laughs> can you describe the smell? Um, it. It is a very sort of like um, pungent and nasty smell. Um, I mean, some of the descriptions we've had have, have been things like um, um, uh, fox excrement. Oh. Uh, <laughs> that's, 
they didn't actually say excrement actually no. on the forms yeah. and and things like well it it um it smells like um uh, dog dirt covered in them sick and things like that are very <laughs> colourful descriptions we've had on the form quite a variety but most people are saying it's absolutely unacceptable and I did have calls from um, uh, sort of people who um, residents who were um, uh, asthmatic and um, uh, again one resident who um, uh, was concerned because they'd just been having treatment for um, cancer and they were concerned but some um, people are getting quite alarmed and, and concerned for their health and, and the introduction i mentioned have, i was going to say we did also have uh, at the time had a meeting um with the local um, surgery over another matter and they the doctors there were complaining saying it's you no know, it, they did think it was very unhealthy. Well, in the introduction, Jason, I mentioned that it, it made bowlers wretch. They've had to cancel bowling games and, and children cry. That's no exaggeration, is it? No, that's that's right. Yeah. And again, the children at the school, um, sort of like they, um, they, I think they had finished um, term there. But um, as I say, last time it was that they, they couldn't play outside. Residents are considering legal action. Um, will that have any effect? Uh, well, it, it could do because people are concerned um, because I think they know in other parts of the country there have been problems and I have been um, in contact with um, um, people from a, um, a company in um, Dagenham where I believe there's another um, ah. uh, sort of like facility and, and they have um, suffered because um, they have a canteen and often they're not able to use the canteen because of the smells and, and they're sort of inundated with flies as well. That is the other problem that people report flies and, and the third actual complaint is the noise because um, when they're working at the site in the afternoon there's the noise from um, vehicles mm. reversing which are like um, it's just continuous sometimes and again upsets people's peace when they'll be outside in their gardens. Jason I wish you uh, and the residents the very best of luck with sorting this out I hope you don't mind what we like to do with them when we get stories like this sometimes is, is, is turn them upside down uh, and we're asking this morning what smells make you smile I just wondered if, if you could think of any smells that do make you smile Jason. Uh, not really. Perhaps I could add the other thing, of course, is um, we did actually, um, a resident was so concerned, um, if you have got a moment, that they organised themselves um, a consultation with a firm of London lawyers and our chairman actually went with the resident and they did say um, they would be prepared to take on the case on a no-win, no-fee uh-huh. basis if there was the payment for the init- initial um, preparation work. Uh-huh. And, so, and so, so, why, some, so um, some fee... The organisation is, is looking at sort of um, our scungy B. No win, some fee. Yes, that's right. That's, uh, and I was asking people who are coming into the office, you know, would you be prepared to join and to, like, contribute to sort of like um, a, a fund? And, and almost everyone I asked said yes. So. Well, Jason, I wish I wish uh, you and the residents the best of luck. I wish the uh, uh, no win, some fee company... Uh, the best of luck as well, because, I, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to live in a place where there are... Um, no smells where I live at all. Smell less. I wonder if this lister has uh, a favourite smell. Brendan's in St Neots. Good morning, Brendan. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm fine, Brendan. Have you got a, a smell that makes you smile? It's just a bit of fun. No, it's just the, the thing is that I was going to let you know. I know you were talking about Luton Airport this morning. Yes. Right. I rang them up yesterday. You d- Sorry, say that again. I rang them up and ask them whether I can take a juice tube through security. A juice tube? Juice tube. Juice tube. Is that like, is that like um, those cheese straws? No, it's for, the, it's for you to charge your mobile phone. Oh, juice tube. 
Mm. Like, like, um, frubes. No, it's a juice tube. Like it's a frube. No, it's a juice tube that you plug your mobile phone USB Oh, it's a, it's a mobile phone charger. I thought it was a refreshment. Yeah, OK. No. It's a juice tube that you charge your phone off. We've got that. It's, it's... And are you allowed to take it through? I was told they might have to take a swab of it. And I said to them, what? I don't think so. A swab? Hang on a second. You want it... To take a juice tube, juice tube. Yeah, I've never heard that phrase in my life. A juice tube. Have a look online. Have a look on on John Lewis. I'll get one of the girls. One of the girls. If you could look online for me, please. Um, So you wanted to take it through um, security, security. okay? To take with me to Spain in case I need to charge my phone. Well, well, were you taking any luggage in the hold? We don't take hold luggage. We take. over-the-head luggage. You're, you're living the dream. I wish I could survive on over-the-head luggage. Every year, I think, I'm going to try and survive on over-the-head luggage, and I can't because they make the over-the-head so small these days. EasyJet charge you now for hold luggage. I know. I, I know. It's, it's something like 24 quid a suitcase. Anyway, um, so you want to take your juice tube through. Uh, yeah. the, the girls are just um, uh, searching online to find out what a juice tube is. Um, Tell them to look at John Lewis. Okay. Somebody looked at John Lewis last night. Could you look at John Lewis, girls? You wanted to take a juice tube through security. You called up Luton Airport and they said they would have to take a swab? Yes. I said, I don't think so because you can't get a swab from it. There's no liquid. Why is it called juice? Because it's the... The name of it is for you to charge your mobile phone. Uh, I think we can go to... Oh, I'm being handed one of my team. Thank you, team. Um, ah, do you mean a juice cube? Yes. You were saying... Square block. You said juice tube. Juice cube. Charge your devices on the go... Yes. ...with the juice cube. This compact yes. cube is designed to slip into your bag and provide power for your um, uh, uh, Apple device or smartphone. Yes. What? Which is what I've got. Two questions, Brendan. First yeah. question is, why would you phone up the airport to ask if you could take that through? Of course you could take that through. You just put it in a bag. I, I didn't know whether you could. Well, you just put it... Could, well, uh, Right. Is it a knife? No. Is it a bomb? They might think it might be. What I normally do is I carry it around in the UK in my waist bag. Yeah. And because my waist bag is quite big and cumbersome. When you say a waist bag, do you mean a fanny pack? No. If you look in, if you look on um, Trespass. Girls, could you look you, on Trespass? For these for, big for, waist bags. Is it like a bum bag? It's like a bum bag, but it fits my tablet. Girls, if you could look on Trespass for, um, uh, what's it called, a waist pack? A waste bag. Okay. It's one of the biggest. I've got to go, bags. Uh, Brendan. I've got to go to the travel news. You okay to stick online for a second? Because this story is fascinating. All right. Thanks very much indeed. We'll find out exactly what happened. And if you've uh, been questioned over your juice tube, oh three four five nine four double five five double five. Let's get the travel. It's seven thirty on BBC Three Counties Radio. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Sammy, are you there? Sammy? Maybe she's gone to check her juice tube. Well, we'll get the travel from Sammy in about 15 minutes later, fingers crossed. Meanwhile, here's the news with Lee Agnew. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's half past seven, the headlines. Campaigners are unhappy about plans to relax the noise levels on planes at London Luton Airport. Its operators say that due to expansion, agreed rules about noise levels are too stringent. Three people have been charged in connection with a murder in High Wycombe. It follows the death of 26-year-old Lee Gillespie in Church Street on Saturday. And people from Cuffley in Hertfordshire are considering legal action to stop a smell they say comes from nearby Cattlegate Farm. But experts from the Environment Agency say there's no evidence it originates from the permitted compost facility there. The weather will be cloudy at first this morning with heavy rain at times, but clearing to leave a dry and sunny end to the day. Top temperatures around 21 degrees Celsius. That's 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The MK Dons will play Southampton at Stadium MK in the third round of the Capital One Cup. It follows their 2-1 win after extra time against Cardiff. Manager Carl Robinson was impressed with his side. It's 10 of the 14 players we've used, 24 and under, 23 and under to an extent. So when you look at that, that's a really young side that started and when we put all the subs on, they were young as well. So I thought the players really conducted one device, a young side who, who I think have really entertained this evening against a very good Cardiff side. A stoppage time equaliser forced extra time for Luton Town against Stoke at Kenilworth Road. With the score level, the Hatters lost 8-7 on penalties to the Premiership side, with Luton defender Scott Griffiths missing his penalty in sudden death. Scott Griffiths hits the crossbar. Wouldn't late the rest. Now Cameron for Stoke. Scores. Stoke City are through. Yeah. Luton Town are out. Watford lost 1-0 at Preston North End. The Hornets fell behind early on and finished the game with 10 men after Miguel Britos received a second yellow. Head coach Kike Flores wasn't happy with the decision. I completely disagree with this decision. There is a point with the result. It's true that we deserve maybe to draw. Again, in this moment, we received the centre of the Britos. It was difficult to play against 11 against 10. Mo Farah's through to the final of the 5,000 metres at the World Athletics Championships in Beijing. And Greg Rutherford will receive his gold medal today after yesterday's victory in the long jump, while Usain Bolt and Justin Gadling compete in the men's 200-metre semi-finals. BBC Three Counties News and Sport, more at 8 o'clock. Thank you, Lee. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Brendan, stay there. We're still um, looking at trespass, trying to find your waste bag. We'll, we'll come back to that as soon as we have that information. But right now, around a quarter of a million vulnerable or mentally ill adults are questioned by the police each year without the support that they are entitled to. That's according to a report commissioned by the government. Guidelines say they should have a so-called appropriate adult to ensure they're fairly treated and aren't pushed into false confessions. Well, Emily Unia has uh, more on this and she joins me now. Good morning, Emily. Emily, what exactly is an appropriate adult? 
Well, it's somebody who ensures that there is effective communication and also fair treatment of a person who's been detained or questioned by the police. They were brought in in the 1980s after a number of miscarriages of justice involving vulnerable people. It is a legal duty, actually, for councils to have organised appropriate adult schemes for children, but there is no legal requirement to have a scheme for vulnerable adults. So in many areas, there simply isn't a system of appropriate adults when it comes to vulnerable adults in custody. How many people aren't getting the support they're entitled to and why aren't they getting it? Well, researchers have analysed police data for 1.4 million detentions and voluntary interviews of adults. And what they found was that appropriate adults were used in 45,000 cases, but there were actually 280,000 situations involving a person who was considered to be mentally vulnerable. Now, according to this report called There to Help, the reasons are a lack of awareness of what is required and also a shortage of trained volunteers. That means police often go ahead, do the questioning without the appropriate adult being there. Custody officers have reported actually spending hours looking for a suitable person and then admitting that they sometimes asked man- random members of the public to do that role. The Home Secretary, Theresa May, has said this situation is not acceptable. What can be done to improve the situation? Well, the report says that it should be a statutory duty on police officers to find an appropriate adult for any mentally vulnerable grown-up grown that they are questioning. Uh, it would like uh, there to be training for custody officers so that they know how to deal with vulnerability and also how to spot it and it would also like police record keeping of vulnerable suspects to be improved. Chris Barth, who is from the National Appropriate Adult Network which led this study, says that simple changes would actually make quite a big difference. What the police can do is invest in training, first of all, for their custody staff. They can make sure that their custody staff at least have an awareness of things like learning disabilities, mental health issues, autistic spectrum disorders. All the police have to do is identify a possibility of some vulnerability. They don't have to become psychiatrists or psychologists. Thanks very much, Emily. It's our reporter, Emily Unia, there on the government's latest report into appropriate adults. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Okay, back to the story that Brendan called him. And Brendan, could you just give us a quick recap of, of, of what happened to you and why? Basically, I was talking to Luton and they and I said to them, look, I need to know whether a juice cube is allowed to go through to go to the flight. For those who've just tuned in, a juice cube we've discovered on John Lewis, it's it's a portable battery charging pack for mobile phones, tablets, electronic devices. So you, you would charge up the juice cube and then you could plug in your device and, and the charge, the, the pre-charged juice cube would then charge up your, your mobile phone, for example. Yes, I, I presume you can use them on the flight. Okay. And you had this in um, your waste bag. I I think the girls have been looking... What was the website you asked the girls to look at? Trespass. Trespass. I'm being handed... Thank you, girls. If if Ah. if one of your team goes Ah. into Bedford, Trespass, it is upstairs. Girls? Oh, you mean the physical shop? Yes. That's going to be tricky now, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll send... Girls, can know, you make it a point in, today to in, go into the, the Bedford shop upstairs? I have a picture in front of me. OK, yeah, it's, it's what my mum would call um, a, a, a fanny blaster. Yes, basically it fits my tablet. Yep. And that's how, that's how I keep my tablet safe when I'm out in the community. 
What a strange turn of phrase. Yes, so you wanted to know if you could take your juice cube through, uh, through security at Luton Airport, they said they'd have to swab it. Yes, and I said, I don't believe that. How can you swab something that has no liquid? Well, you can swab dry things. Can you? With a swab. I didn't. I didn't know. I said to them. I didn't know what they were meaning. I th- now I've said that, Brendan. I think mm. girls, could you look up on the, the computer, Bing it or Google it? Can you swab dry things? Or maybe one of the listeners know. Maybe we have a forensic uh, expert listening. Oh three four five nine four double five five double five. It's it's just cotton wool. Yes, but they would. They have a special swab um, thing. They have to wipe across it. But would they, would they, if they had have swabbed it and found out it wasn't an explosive, would they have yeah. then let you take it through uh, uh, into the, the duty-free department? They probably would. Did you ask them? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't ask, I wasn't talking to security, I was talking to one of the girls on the phones. Mm. Okay, okay. And they, well, they, assured, they assured me it would be all right as long as it's been swabbed. Oh, hang on a sec. I think Lorraine can throw a bit of light on this. Good morning, Lorraine. Hi, Ian. Hi, Lorraine. You, you can help Brendan, can you? I might be able to, yes. I'm, I used to work at security at Heathrow. Ah, fantastic. Oh, lovely, Lorraine. Yeah, so can you just recap? What's, what's, your, what's your concern about this? Brendan, can you, can you just recap the story again? I would tell her, if, if Lorraine's listening to me clearly, can you visualise a small green cube? He's saying I cube. Can. Cube. Cube. It's a small green a cube. Char- it's got a charging lead, which is a USB going into a Samsung mobile phone charging hole, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. being charged at the moment. Mm-hmm. When I go through security, will they need to take a swab from it? Because they seem to think they did. Any electrical item going through security has to go through the x-ray machine. Any any electrical item. I know it has to go through x-ray. That's why when I put my mobile phones through, I put them in Mm -hmm. my green police for Mm -hmm. reasons then I know where they are. So when I leave them to go through the security system, I know yep. where they are safely. So you'll, so you'll put your green feet. cube in the pocket of your green fleece. <clears throat> so you're all green. Along with, along mm-hmm. with the phones. Yep. If the, if the person reading the x-ray machine deems that everything's okay, absolutely fine, which they may do because they are trained and they can see what's a charger. We see lots of, saw lots of strange items yeah. going through. They may, they, may see, they may see a charging lead, which will give them mm. a clue. Or if they want me to put it on charge to show them at some stage, I, I don't mind saying, some, oh, put it on it, charge to show you, to prove. It's what completely I'm down to the person reading the x-ray machine if they deem that it's okay. If not, they will take it out and they will swab it, which does it no harm whatsoever. And can so. I just ask you, Lorraine, this is the confusion mm-hmm. here, can you swab something that's dry? You swab dry items. That is what, that is what you swab. Ah. It's it, it swabbing because if it was wet, time, it wouldn't work. Lorraine, Last time, we had a situation where my carer, who I'm not going to mention for reasons, she actually got everything taken away by Luton Security. 
They both took it away and kept it. Presumably. And oh. she was only coming up, out for four nights. It, it really doesn't matter how long you're going away how long you're going away for. Um, they can hold items. They can actually um, confiscate items if they're on the list that they cannot go through security. Um, and if it's something that's um, perfectly safe but just not allowed to go through security, it can be arranged to be picked up again on your return. Can it? Mm. I didn't know that was the case. So if they won't allow me to take the tube with me, Brent, Brent, I will... But just I to cannot. just to inter- interrupt, Brendan, Brent, they've not said they won't allow you to take the juice cube with you. They just might swab it. Yeah. And now yeah. we know that they can swab dry things. Does that put your mind at ease? It does. Lorraine, just as a quick question to you, if you don't mind. Yeah. I don't mind. I spoke to Luton, one of the people on the phones, last night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said to them, would I be allowed to hold it and show them what where the, what the wire does. So mm-hmm. although they are, they're saying they've got to swab it, I would say to them, no problem, as long as I'm holding it to explain... Why would, you want, to, to, why would you want to hold what they were... Stay there, Dave's got uh, something on this. Morning, Dave. Morning, Ian. Dave, you, uh, can, you can help you... Brendan, can you? Yeah, it depends what type of battery or charger it is. I have this problem with my drones when I fly my drones because they're lithium polymer batteries. They're not allowed on a flight because they're highly explosive, they're like a mini hand grenade, and you have to have them in what's called a lithium polymer sock, which is an explosive protective bag to carry them in, and they ah. must go in the hold. Could... Ah, so but this is all phone batteries... It's no, it's NICADs are okay, normal batteries are okay, but if it's a lithium polymer, which is a high charge battery, it has to go into a protective and explosive sock. How about if it was in an explosive sock? How yeah. about if it was in uh, um, Brendan's Fanny Blaster? Would, would that be okay? No, it, um, lithium polymer batteries have to go in um, a protective explosive sock carried in the hold of the plane in Gosh. a sealed bag. Does that sound right, Lorraine? Certain items do, yeah, certain yeah. items do have to be, um, yeah, specialist containers. Um, Explosive socks. In, yeah, have to be checked, have to be checked in separately because they are hazardous. Yeah. If there was a large amount of them. But and it's, to- it's totally down to security. And yeah. to be honest with yeah. you, the, the battery that you've got there is no different to a laptop battery which discharges... Um, you know, into a laptop item. And, and would, Brendan, would, Brendan be allowed to, would Brendan be allowed to um, uh, discharge on an aeroplane whilst in flight? Um, uh, it's not encouraged to discharge while a flight's in the air. Okay. It, um, I, I should imagine that other passengers might be a little concerned if he was to discharge in the air, in the cabin. It's not, it's not actually discharging it, the rain. It's just charging up my cell phone for when I get to the other end. Yeah, but you're... you're yeah, well, you'll find, I mean, obviously, if it's in airplane mode when you're yeah. in the air, and it, okay. it, would, it could cause concern to the crew. Do not discharge uh-huh. on an airplane is basically the, no. ad- the advice. All right, Lorraine, thank you very much okay. indeed. Brendan, well, I think the thing we've learnt there is that you can swab dry things. Thanks so much for that your call, Brendan. Quite... I hope it helps. Enjoy your trip. All right. All right. Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
the A1M is very slow southbound from Junction 8 for the A602 in Hitchin to 7 for Stevenage and the M25 is busy anti-clockwise between Junction 21 for the M1 and 19 for Watford and it's also busy between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. In Denham on the A412 it's very slow between the M40 at Denham and 7 Hills Road in Iver Heath and in Beaconsfield on Amersham Road it's slow between Longbottom Lane and the A40 at London Road. On the trains the 803 service from Luton to Sutton has been delayed. Samantha Brough, BBC Three Counties Radio. Sammy, thank you very much indeed. Thanks for that call, Brendan. 03459 455555. Coming, so much to cram in today. Coming up before 8 o'clock, poetry and peaks. What does that mean? Keep listening and you find out. It's 7.46. It's Wednesday, the 26th of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Luton Airport says that strict rules on noise levels from its planes need to be relaxed. Three people will appear in court this morning charged with murdering a man in Wickham on Saturday evening. And residents of Cuffley say that a smell they claim comes from a nearby composting centre is now worse than ever. Let's get the weather. Here's Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. If you don't have the rain already, it is fast approaching, just edging its way into West Hertfordshire, Buckinghamshire and up towards Bedfordshire as well. The heavier pulses I'm talking about. And the Met Office has a yellow weather warning in place uh, covering this heavy rain. It's coupled uh, with the rain that we had uh, earlier on this week. So we could get a bit of surface water flooding, some spray, particularly for people using the motorways at the moment. Um, so pretty dangerous driving conditions out there. This rain pushes through on a strengthening southwesterly breeze be quite gusty today as well but the good news with that is it pushes the rain through perhaps a little quicker so by the end of the afternoon we should actually see some clearance and maybe get a little bit of sunshine maximum temperature 21 celsius overnight tonight that rain pushes out of the way completely and we should get a reasonably quiet night temperatures down to 11 celsius a lot of cloud around occasional showers but nothing too significant for tomorrow a fine day some sunny spells a little bit of a breeze maybe a shower in the afternoon but it is improved Maximum temperature for Thursday, 20 Celsius. That's your forecast. Sundays on BBC Three Counties Radio. Sometimes black men can feel they can gain something by actually dating outside of their culture. Edward Adu. Everyone used to kind of point me out for looking like Arnold from different strokes, but we won't go there because that was just horrid. Every Sunday night from eight. My auntie's listening now. She goes, me and your mum brought you up properly. Play some music on the show. So I'm looking at this picture of two old buses. They're vintage, just like me. We're going to play some tunes, which you may be familiar with if you're a bit of an old school kind of soul head. Edward Adu. Every Sunday night from eight on BBC Three Counts. Radio. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, it turns out that the Queen, Her Majesty, isn't the only person to have a personal poet. Milton Keynes is his very own poet laureate too. And while Mark Neal's been a regular contributor to BBC Three Counties Radio over the years, I've been here three and a half years and we've never had him on my show before. Well, we're putting that straight. He joins us now. Morning, Mark. Good morning, Ian. How did you become the Poet Laureate for Milton Keynes? Uh, well, I was running a regular poet night here and um, we published a local anthology of local poets and it was launched by the mayor and she liked the poetry that we did. 
and I spent the year sort of supporting uh, her in her role. Um, and at the end of it, she very kindly, as a thank you, asked me if I would um, be the poet laureate for Milton Keynes. So I now write for public occasions and uh, work in the schools around the area. And so I was, I was going to ask, what does that? What do you have to do? So you, you, if if they open a new building or something, do you do you write a poem to to celebrate that? Um, I, I have been asked to write to commission by the council for special occasions, such as when Red Bull refit, um, received the freedom of the city. Um, and every year when the mayor changes, I normally do a poem about the outgoing mayor's year. And if there's any sort of special occasions or um, sort of thing, things like Armistice Day, yeah. um, I write poems for that, maybe Christmas, or if there's anything happens in the city. When the Dons got promoted last year, I wrote, uh, I wrote a poem for the Dons getting promoted to the championship. Those sort of things, anything that sort of strikes me. And I can be invited to go into schools and write for them as well if they want me to. I was going to say, what, what, how do you... When I was at school, poetry... Um, for most of the time, was seen as deathly dull. And then there was a period between 15 and 15 and a half when all boys became love-struck and started writing poetry. How do you make poetry exciting for for kids? Um, Well, first of all, I try and make it funny. Um, I go into schools from all ages, from primary right up to uh, college. Um, I'm a performance poet, and so we make a competition of it sometimes for children by doing poetry slams. Uh, and allow them write about what they want to write about. I like to say it can be about things that are local, about things that are interesting to you. Isn't just about dead white men who wrote poetry two hundred years ago. Actually, I- I'm going to correct myself. There's me saying poetry was dull when I was at school. I do remember one of our teachers uh, in assembly reading loads of Roger McGough, and we were uh, oh. Roger McGough and Spike Milligan, and that was brilliant. And then we kind of just got sidetracked into the romantic poets, who may be very worthy, but let's be honest, they're quite dull, aren't they? Well, I, I do like the classics um, because they're, they're very good for learning form. Um, but the trouble is, it's like reading the King James Bible. It might have a good message sometimes, but you can't always understand the language. So I like to write in the idiom that people use today so that they, they understand it and, and write about things that are relevant for them. So, uh, And also like quite short poems and, and punchy poems that are, that are quite funny that people can get on side with really quickly. Do you think in rhyme all the time? Oh, that rhymes. I'm a poet I didn't realise. Not all the time. Um, There's a guy called Andrew Macmillan, um, sorry, Ian Macmillan, who says that he does that. His internal monologue is always in internal rhymes. Um, But I I do love searching for the the little rhymes that sort of make you you chuckle um, and and are inventive rather than just sort of like Moon, Spoon and June and all that sort of thing. Try and use ones that are quite inventive. Is there a rhyme for orange? Um, well, I used to say that in schools, and then I went into a school where there was a teacher called Mrs. Borringe. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so they said, our school has a rhyme for orange. Um, I think the newest you can get is probably Dorhinge, if you say it sort of very quickly. Dorhinge. There is a Bare Naked Lady song where they rhyme loads of words with orange, but it's cheating a bit. Listen, you've, I, I believe, Mark, you've written a little something for us this morning. Uh, yeah, this, this is a, a, um, what I call a still-in-love poem. There are lots of poems about falling in love or falling out of love, but um, there aren't many for those that if you're still in love after all of these years, and so that's what this one is called. Let's have it. We still, we still slow dance in the kitchen when a smoochy tune comes on. We both dissolve in giggles if we do something wrong. We still go on adventures, not just on a holiday. Each other is our waking thoughts if ever we're away. She tells me she still loves me and wouldn't want to change. 
After all, it's taken 28 years to get me properly trained. Our company is still enough if we dine alone. We surreptitiously kiss in lifts when left on our own. And yes, we hold hands in the high street, a practice I won't be stopping. That last decision is economical. If I let go, she goes shopping. Mark, listen, it's been a real pleasure to uh, have you on the show. Um, if people want to find out more about you, where can they go? Uh, my website is www.akickintheart.co.uk. Be careful how you spell that one. Yeah. You might get a, a website in the art, A-R-T-S, .co.uk. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at, at MKPoetLorit. Mark, you're a good sport. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks very much indeed. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's go to the girls. Catherine, you must have uh, enjoyed that poem. Yeah, I really liked it. 03459 555. If you uh, consider yourself being an amateur poet, why don't you give us a call? Poetry on the radio, fantastic. Now, a charity in Buckinghamshire at 7.55 says in, uh, it's appealing for fundraisers to tackle the three peaks of the Chilterns with their dogs. Rennie Grove Hospice would like dog owners to take on the challenge with their pets to raise vital funds for the charity. Well, Hannah Jones has uh, been waiting patiently and can join me now. Morning, Hannah. Morning, Ian. Thank Hannah, you for talking to me. No, thank you very much indeed. Did you like that poem by Mark? I did. It was very good. Very clever, wasn't it? It uh, was, the, yeah. th the three peaks of the Chilterns, I've heard of these because some idiotic friends of mine did it, did it year, years ago. They tried to persuade me to do it and I said, not a chance. But what are the three peaks? Uh, the three peaks are Whiteleaf Cross, Coombe Hill and Ivanhoe Beacon. So um, our challenge uh, is a sponsored walk along the Ridgeway and uh, there's uh, three different routes. So you can either do five, nine or 18 mile routes. So there's something for everybody. OK, so how, how difficult are these challenges? Um, well, yeah, I think you've got, you've got to be a keen walker. But um, the five mile is, is perfect for a, a family fundraiser. So um, it's open to all ages. And the dog, of course, can come along too. Is the dog essential? I mean, if, if a family, for example, that they, they, they didn't have a dog or the dog was busy that day, would they still be able to do it without the of dog? Of course they can, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the dog's not essential, but they do love it. And, um, and we do have lots of dog treats uh, along the route as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's perfect for all the families. And who gets... I, I, I'm being told that there is a prize. Who is the prize for? Is it for the families or for the dogs? Uh, there's a prize for the highest fundraiser, um, so the dog who raises the most sponsorship oh. gets a, gets a dog bed, um, which has been donated by our vice presidents. So um, fantastic! <laughs> they'll, they'll need a bed after that long they walk. They will. They will. <laughs> <laughs> what made you put this event on? Well, it's actually this is its seventh year this year. Um, it's a hugely popular event, um, and it's, it's one of nine fundraiser fundraising events that we have on offer. Um, and it's popular year after year. And the Rennie Grove Hospice, tell us yeah. why it's, uh, why it's I mean, I, I, you know, my, my dad passed away in a hospice, but tell us why it's so important. OK, well, it uh, offers services to support local patients diagnosed with cancer and other life-limiting illnesses. Uh, we've got a variety of services, um, including a 24-hour hospice at home service, mm. and that gives patients a choice to be careful at home, surrounded by their loved ones, which is really important. And how much are you hoping to raise? We're hoping to raise £30,000, and if everyone raised £50, that would exceed that target, which would wow. be fantastic. If people want to get involved, Hannah, how do they sign up for this? Yeah, all the information's on our website, which is renniegrove.org slash Chilterns Three Peaks. Um, and it's £20 for adults and £10 for children to sign up. 
brilliant. And he, undecided. Here's, here's the question, Hannah Jones. Are you doing the walk? I knew you were going to ask me that. Everyone always asks me that. Um, no, I'll be there. I'll be working at the event. Oh, the Hannah! But, uh, no. <laughs> I have to work there. You're, but, you're um, I have walked the well full routes, I will say. Okay. And it, it is a lovely walk. And I think we're so lucky to have such a scenic area that um, it's a great excuse to get out. All right. It sounds like a great charity. I hope you raise yeah. lots of money and best of luck to Thanks everyone so that's much. doing it. And best of luck to the dogs. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Hannah. Much. There we go. That's Hannah Jones uh, from the Rennie Grove Hospice. 03459 455 555. We've got five questions sitting in the rolling quiz. Uh, the question that was set by a Colin in Dunstable, who lived in Hargreaves Close in Chesson for many years? It's somebody famous, I'm assured. Let's get the travel now. Here's Sammy. Travel news for beds, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 03459 455 555 is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call, you can text 81333. Start your text 3CR. I think we've got Sammy now. Sammy, what's happening on the roads and the trains? Hello. Well, the A1M is very busy southbound between Junction 8 for Hitchin and 7 for Stevenage. And the M25 is busy anti-clockwise between Junction 24 for Potters Bar and 23 for the A1M at South Mims. Also anti-clockwise, it's very busy between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. And in Beaconsfield on Amersham Road, it's very slow now southbound from Longbottom Lane to the A40 at London Road. And in Clubhill on the A507, that's slow in both directions around Bedford Road. On the train departure boards, having a look... And the 8-12 service from Welling Garden City to London King's Cross is cancelled. Smut the breath, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sammy. Getting some great poems sent in on Twitter. Give us a call, Scott. Read it out on air. 03459 455 555. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight o'clock, I'm Liak New. The headlines, Luton Airport asks for a rise in its noise levels. Three on murder charges in Wickham and Cuffley residents accuse a farm of creating a noxious smell. BBC Three Counties Radio. Campaigners are unhappy about plans to change the noise levels from planes at London Luton Airport. The airport says that due to expansion, existing rules about noise levels are too stringent. Sabra Swinson from the Save Our Skies group in St Albans is hoping that new technology introduced last week will help make a difference. If it works, it will mean that the planes will follow a much narrower path over the densely populated areas of Hemelston, Dorbans, Redbourne and Harpingdon. Um, in the past, they've kind of meandered off the path and have overflown areas that, that really they shouldn't have been doing so. So if this works and it's early days, it is good news. Three people have been charged in connection with a murder in High Wycombe. It follows the death of 26-year-old Lee Gillespie in Church Street on Saturday. They'll appear at High Wycombe Magistrates Court this morning. A charity says that up to a quarter of a million children and mentally vulnerable adults are being deprived of the support of an appropriate adult while in police custody. The National Appropriate Adult Network says it puts them at risk of miscarriages of justice. As Chief Executive Chris Barth says that in many cases there are too few people trained to do the job. It looks like around a quarter to a fifth of people flowing through police custody are actually mentally vulnerable. and The police seem to be identifying about 3%, so we need the police to do better at that. The government is putting in place investment in identification of mental vulnerability. Our big concern is what happens if there are no appropriate adult services once you've identified those people. 
People from Cuffley in Hertfordshire are considering legal action to stop a smell, they say, is coming from nearby Cattlegate Farm. Experts from the Environment Agency couldn't confirm the odours coming from a permitted compost facility there. Jason Grodcock from Northor and Cuffley Parish Council told Ian Lee it's incredibly pungent and noxious. Some of the descriptions we've had have, have been things like um, um, uh, fox excrement. They didn't actually say excrement in the forms. Yeah. And things like um, it smells like uh, dog dirt covered in them sick and things like that. But most people are saying is absolutely unacceptable. Scientists have found that household dust contains around 7,000 different types of bacteria and 2,000 species of fungi. The researchers at the University of Colorado say that while some microbes may be linked to disease and allergies, most are probably harmless. In sport, the MK Dons will play Southampton in the third round of the Capital One Cup after a 2-1 win against Cardiff. It was a dramatic evening at Kenilworth Road where Luton were eventually beaten 8-7 on penalties by Premiership Stoke and Watford lost one nil away at Preston North End. And the weather today will be wet at first but dry by the end of the day. Top temperatures around 20 degrees Celsius that's 70 degrees Fahrenheit. You can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Thank you Lee! It is a miserable morning out there. I'm going to have to break rule number 17 in my rules of life and buy an umbrella. If you're out in the rain today, drive carefully. Busy show this morning coming up. Luton Airport is asking for rules on aviation noise to be relaxed. The smell that made bowlers wretch in Cuffley's back with a vengeance. And we get a medieval treat for our taste buds. Don't forget the rolling quiz is still rolling right on through the show. I'll give you the five questions in a bit. Smells that make you smile. If it's your birthday, give us a call and I'll tell you who you share your birthday with. 03459 555. You can text 81333, start your text 3CR. You can tweet us at BBC3CR. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR is our little home on the Facebook. Or you can email me, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's go to Lur Outdoors. Catherine, let's have a couple of the texts, please. OK, I live in Caddington and hardly notice the plane, says Daniel, talking about the airport story you're about to address. And uh, smells that make you smile. Uh, Maffin Hanslope says, the smell of bacon makes me smile. And happy birthday to Colin, the old fossil. 03459 455 555. Now, campaigners against the expansion of Luton Airport are unhappy about plans to have the conditions on the noise levels of the aircraft relaxed. Luton Airport was given permission to double the number of passengers to 18 million a year back in December 2013. At the time, noise levels were agreed, but now the airport says they're too stringent and will lead to too many aircraft getting fined. John Davis is from the campaign group Ladakan, which is concerned about the airport's expansion, and he joins me now. John, just tell us what Ladakan is, please. Well, it was set up many years ago in the late 60s. It's called Luton District Association for the Control of Aircraft Noise, and it goes back all those years to when the airport, the, the airport at Luton changed from being a little airstrip with a few planes too very noisy because jet jet aircraft came in. So it's, it's a long-established uh, pa- uh, campaign group. What are your concerns here, John? 
Well, I think, look at it this way. I don't want to throw statistics at you, but every month, seven or 8,000 planes come in and out of Luton Airport. Each month, there are loads of complaints from people who are fed up to the teeth with being disturbed, particularly at night. And over the many years I've been on the airport committee, about 15 years, there's been a tripling of these flights. And now they're talking about they want to, uh, as it were, ease off on the on the noise uh, noise levels, which uh, incur a fine. And I think we get very suspicious when an airport does this sort of thing. All these people who write in on, on or email in on 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 the email or they ring in three nine five three eight two to complain about noise. They are not doing it because they've got nothing better to do. They are fed up with the noise as it is, and so we're suspicious of any tendency or any attempt to, to, to make those noise levels easier for the airport. If Luton Borough Council does agree to relax the noise level thresholds, what impact would that have on the surrounding area? Well, I think it would just get worse. Uh, I, I, I think what, what we're going to have in about a week or two's time is, is a meeting of a so-called technical committee, and they need to thrash out this whole business because otherwise the people on the ground, I mean, let's face it, only about half the population ever fly anyway, so the people on the ground quite often don't fly and they have all this noise imposed on them. So they're going to have to thrash out a system which, which is easy to understand. At the moment, they've tangled two systems of noise control. One is to do uh, with the actual certificate of the aircraft and the other is to do with the noise it imposes on people that it's going over. And I think they need to concentrate on the noise that it actually imposes on people it's going over and to have really quite stringent limits to deter the really noisy ones. It's in the airport's interest to deter the really noisy ones. Once you've been woken up once a night, then you hear all the subsequent ones mm. and you keep on complaining. So they need a tough system. And at the moment, I think they get away with blue murder a lot of the time. Uh, this new technology, which we're going to talk about in a second, uh, the airport has introduced, would that make much of a difference, well, do you think? the RNAV technology, well, I mean, it was quite interesting. Uh, when that came out, they said, of course, far fewer people would be overflown. But what they didn't add is, of course, those who are overflown, and in a densely populated area like it is around here, those few remaining who are overflown will get a great deal more aircraft noise. So it's very unfair on those people. And to sort of say, oh, well, although we're doubling the number of flights, it doesn't matter because the RNAV technology will allow them to go through a, down a very narrow track. Well, yeah, except those who happen to be in a farmhouse in the countryside or in a small community, they'll get that much concentrated over them. So it's an easy excuse. I, I think it was outrageous the way Luton Borough Council encouraged the airport to double the capacity. Not surprising, Luton Borough Council makes a lot of money from the airport. And they have a development control committee. You mentioned the December 2013 meeting where, surprise, surprise, they all agree what a good idea it would be to double the capacity of the airport. That will double the income the airport provides to Luton Borough Council. So they agreed, obviously. That was a bad mistake. It should never, ever have been agreed. It's, it's far bigger than it was when I certainly joined the airport committee. It's far, quite big enough and causes enough nuisance as it is without it getting bigger. But John, unfortunately, we lumbered with it. Stay so there, John, stay there. I, I will come back to you in a second. I just want to bring Neil Thompson uh, into the conversation. Neil is the uh, operations director at London Luton Airport. Morning, Neil. This new technology, this RNAV technology, how does it work? Yeah, good morning, Ian. Yeah, this is new technology, so it's based on satellite navigation, which does give us greater track keeping actually, but gives us greater flexibility on where the flight routes can go. So we've worked closely with community groups such as Laddercan to develop the route that, that minimises the impact on the most amount of people. 
So basically, it's a sat-nav that, 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 that describes, if I've got this right, a narrower corridor that the aircraft can fly through that will affect less people. Is that right? Absolutely. So w- with this change, we've reduced the amount of people overflowing by about 75%. So it's a, it's a big, significant change. It, it could be argued but for the, that you've reduced the number of people, but that smaller number of people now have more aircraft flying over them. I mean, this is in line with government policy, so there's a long debate around concentration over dispersal. Government policies currently concentrate the flight tracks. So, so, so a smaller of number of people would suffer more? But what we, we've done is try to minimise that. So we've got the tracks, wherever possible, over open countryside, avoiding towns and villages as far as we can. Okay. But, but so how many people are affected? So we've gone down with this change. We've gone down from about thirteen thousand people with this route down to about three thousand. So, so those, but those three, those three thousand people will have more aircraft flying over them. So they're suffering more. What, what, no, what, it's not. No. So if I just clarify that, that is, that's covering the whole swathe. So we've got we've reduced the swathe width from three kilometres down to two kilometres. The reality is, is the, the actual aircraft swathe is put about five hundred metres. So it's a really tight, narrow corridor. But that three thousand covers the entire swathe width. Okay. So so the, the, those three thousand people, then they're, they're not having more aircraft fly over them. No, it's the same amount of aircraft, but we're just given much okay. more certainty. And this is something that Ladder can support as well. And do, so. the, do the aircraft have to stick to this corridor? Yes, yeah, so we, we've got, um, as of the 1st of April, we've implemented a, a, a fine. So if aircraft deviate outside the swathe below a certain altitude, they will get fired. And all of those fines go towards community projects. Ah, OK. Well, that's, that, that sounds like a good idea. John, and, and if you've been involved with this, it sounds like um, a great yeah, idea. I, I mean, it narrows the track. I, I don't think it's true to say that we supported it with, without any comment at all. We, support, we only supported the extent it narrows the track, but it is devious to talk about narrowing the track and avoiding most of the communities. There are still going to be people who are going to be overflowing a great deal but, more. But, but that's, but that's what is, it's doing, though, John, isn't it? It, it, is, it is narrowing the track and it, yeah. it, it is affecting less people, which has got it, to be it, a good thing, hasn't it? it, it overall, Ian, it's affecting fewer people, but the few people it is affected are going to get lumber with a lot more noise because they're going to go straight over there. Well, Neil, Neil just says that's not right. Neil? No, I mean, we, we ran a consultation for this. We, we ran trials two years ago. We ran a consultation. We had over 1,400 responses, and 90% of people were in favour of this change. No, but the, just, just address the point that the, 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 the John made, that the, the, these fewer people will have more noise. You're saying that's not true? No, what we're trying to do is concentrate tracks over open countryside so avoid as many people as we can with this. There will always be aircraft in the sky, but I think it's, it's achieving the right balance. Mm. So it's achieving the right balance between economic growth of the airport and minimising our noise impact. John? No, this, I think the whole thing, back to Lunenborough Council, is driven by greed of Lunenborough Council wanting... No, but John, but John, just to address the point, Neil is... Well, uh, I, I don't think it's, you see, I, I don't think it's true. You cannot fly, you cannot draw a line on the map without, uh, without going over some people. Yeah. So that it may reduce the noise over 75%, but there's still going to be those people who are going to have a lot more noise. The problem Neil is sa- Neil just, saying there, is no, there will be no more noise for those people. They'll have the same amount of noise that they have now. Is that right, Neil? But, but, but they've got to go somewhere, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the same amount of noise. I and mean, We've been working on this for about 10 years, so this isn't in direct response to the plan and application, all our development. This is a long-serving project, directly in response to community concerns about one of our flight routes. Now, interesting you mentioned the applications and the plannings and all of those things, because um, the, the noise-level agreement that was reached in 2013, you want to go back against it. You say that's unworkable. Why, why would you agree to something that was unworkable? With the plan and application, we have over 30 conditions. We're just challenging one condition. The, this condition, the noise level condition. 
Well, that is one of the noise level conditions. There's, there's a, a raft of noise conditions. We have some of the most stringent noise conditions. In you the you UK. want to be able to make more noise, basically, because no, you're, you're saying that the, the aircraft will be fined. No, we want to target the noisiest aircraft that disturb people. So I, I absolutely agree with Ladakan on this, and Ladakan have supported the changes that we're looking to make. What we're looking to do is target the noisiest aircraft and those noisiest aircraft overnight. And that condition is very complicated. It doesn't actually achieve that objective. OK, so what would you like to change? What we want to implement is a simple daytime, noise lim- a daytime limit, which we've reduced, and also a simple nighttime limit, which we've also reduced, and they've been in place since the 1st of April. And what we want to do is get those incorporated as part of the planning conditions. John? Well, and gradually squeeze them down, because over the many years there's been all this argument about that they're just too high to have any real effect. That is why every quarter there are only two or three uh, actual fines imposed. I mean, that in a sense is a story. The only two or three fines imposed every quarter shows that the fines are just too lax. So the, the fines gradually have to squeeze down these noise levels. And I would agree with, uh, with Neil to the extent that we don't want a complicated system. The system which works is those people on the ground should be able to say, the planes who go over me at more than a certain level should be fine. John, can I, can I pick two texts at random? And we're running out of time, gentlemen. I really yeah, appreciate yeah. this, though. Two texts at random. Um, here's, uh, Stop moaning on about the airport. Move away if you don't like it. What a moaner. All of us that live in Luton hear the planes. Luton benefits greatly from the airport. That's from Tony, who loves Luton. Yeah, sure. And another text or anonymous. If you live near a football stadium, you're going to get noise. If you live near an airport, you're going to get noise. Get some earplugs and get a life. Well, I think they're both very unfair, particularly the second one, where the noise is a brief time on a Saturday afternoon. This, this is 24-hour day noise, day and night noise, so that's a very unfair thing. Not surprisingly, somebody in Luton agrees to the idea of expansion because it brings more money into Luton Borough Council's coffers. So, in well, I don't think that text was from, from Luton Borough Council. I, I, I think no, it was no, just no, a resident. From, no, no, from a resident who can see that more money comes into the yeah. Borough Council and that, that, that to him is a good thing. But it's a slightly selfish thing. And to say people should move, the, these are people who have probably retired in the area, say, 15, 20 years ago, and they find this insidious increase in flights and noise uh, going on all the time, and of course in road congestion, this this will gradually happen as mm. more and more people fight to get to that airport. John, we've got to end it there. Thank you, John Davis from the campaign group Ladakan. The other voice we heard there was Neil Thompson, operations director at London Luton Airport. Would love to get your thoughts on this. Uh, do you think that John is just whinging, or, or and should put up uh, with the noise or move away, or do you think he's got a point and that actually it is getting noisier? And noisier. 03459 455 555 is the telephone number. It's 816. It's BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get those headlines, shall we? On Wednesday, a uh, very wet Wednesday, the 26th of August. These are your headlines. Luton Airport is asking for the rules on noise levels from its planes to be relaxed to allow for expansion. Three people will appear in court this morning charged with murdering a 26-year-old man in High Wycombe. And results of Cuffley, uh, residents, excuse me, of Cuffley are accusing a nearby farm of creating a noxious smell that's making them feel sick. The weather this morning will be uh, wet, very wet, but sunny by the end of the day. And Catherine, I believe you've got... Uh, a li- Catherine, I believe you've got... We can just get the girls... 
we can just get the, uh, we've got a little uh, if anyone's got any travel news how do they get in touch they give us a call if it's safe and legal to do so of course yep. uh, 03459 455555 or if you're in passenger you could always text us remember to put 3CR on the beginning of your message and it's 81333 thank you very much every Sunday morning from 6 around 350 people gathered at the Peace Pagoda in Milton Keynes for an interfaith ceremony to remember the dead of Hiroshima Mike Naylor there is of course a greater challenge and that is how to abolish all wars altogether. A new report has provided some stark facts about holiday hunger for many families. We were prepared as a church community to do this when we realised the need that was out there. Every Sunday morning from six. While many different music and Christian festivals are taking place up and down the country, of course, during the summer holidays. We've got a ska band which do some kind of traditional Christian hymns, but in uh, a new format. Mike Naylor, every Sunday morning from six on BBC Three Counties Radio. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, Jonathan Vernon-Smith, who's on at nine o'clock. Good have you, morning. Have you managed to dry down yet? Because I'm looking out of that window and our swanky new studios, we can see outside, that is heavy rain. It's, uh, it's a hard coming rain's down, fall. it's coming down like cats and dogs yep. out there, Ian. Awful. Absolutely it, awful. It really is. We're asking this morning, I don't know if you heard, we're talking about a very stinky smell in Cuffley, and we're, we're doing what we often do with a, 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 a sad story. We're turning that story upside down. Um, we're asking what smells make you smile. For me, fresh tarmac that's been rained on, or freshly mown grass. And I'm going to say this, and this might sound a little bit odd. Go on. A young baby's poo-poo. There's what? something, there's something... Catherine will get this. Catherine, this isn't me being perverse, is it? The smells that make you smile are young babies' poo-poo. Yeah, it's better than the older babies, yeah. Uh, so what smells make you smile, Jonathan uh, Smith? Zoflora bouquet. Oh, sounds delightful. Yeah. What does it smell uh, like? Uh, freshly cut flowers with disinfectant. I use it uh, frequently to remove any animal odours from my property. What's on your show this morning? Coming up on the big phone in this morning from nine, I'm asking, do women-only train carriages sound a good idea to you? Jeremy Corbyn has said he'd consider women-only rail carriages to help reduce assaults on public transport. Mr Corbyn says he'll consult women on the suggestion. It comes after figures from British Transport Police suggest sex offences on trains and at stations have risen by 25% to record levels. But the Conservative MP Sarah Wollaston has said that women-only carriages' proposal it wouldn't actually protect anyone at all. Well, from nine this morning, I'd like your views on this. Do women-only train carriages sound a good idea to you? We've been having a debate in the office next door, Ian, and uh, everyone seems very divided. From nine this morning, I'd love your views. 03459 455 555. It's the big phone in at nine. Sounds like a lot of fun. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
We'll uh, do this day in history after half past. Let's quickly recap the questions on the rolling quiz. Don't forget, if you can answer the question, that's only half of the challenge. Part two of the challenge, the fun accumulator, is then setting your own question. The questions we've got so far are, which UK politician was replaced by a tub of lard when he failed to turn up for a recording of TV quiz show Have I Got News For You? Who played the title role in the 2005 film Nanny McPhee? That really was a lot of fun. Question three, what was the name of Lucille Ball Cuban band. Oh no, we've got, excuse me, Colin and Dunstable got that question. He replaced it with this question. Who lived in Hargreaves Close in Chesham for many years? Girls, have we got the answer to that? No. Question four. Who played, probably best to call Colin up and get the answer to that question if that's if that's okay. Oh, I, I, I do know the answer. I thought you meant have we got the right answer from anybody yet? No, we haven't. Thank you. Who played the flatmate Dermot in, in UK TV's Men Behaving Badly, replaced after series one by Neil Morris's character Tony? And uh, question five, which was the first British TV game show to be adapted for screening in the USA? Mark's in Baldock. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Mark. What, what, what have you got for us this morning on this cold, wet, grey morning? Right, two things. Um, I'm 50 today. <laughs> oh, you're 50 today? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Well, then you'll want to know who you're sharing your birthday with, won't you? Please, please, that'd be nice. Let's go through some of the names who you're sharing your birthday with. Christopher Isherwood, the novelist, was born in 1904. Bit noisy where you are. I'm driving a lorry. OK. Michael Gove, it's his birthday. Guess what year Michael Gove was born in? No idea. I don't know who that is. I've got no idea. You've got no idea who Michael Gove is? No, all sorry. teachers, all teachers had a picture of Michael Gove on their wall. And they would chuck darts at it. I can't believe this. Michael Gove, 1967. He's only six years older than me. <laughs> and finally, you'll know this one. Oh, I've been left home alone. Who's that? Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin is 34 years old today. And <laughs> to you and all of those people, we say... Happy birthday to you. What else you called in for, Mark? Right, I, I have just delivered a load of garden waste to Colgate, or Cattlegate Farm. OK. And uh, I, I deliver there probably two or three times a week, and there is no smell. There's no... This is the stinky smell that we're talking about. It's made children cry and bowlers wretch. Uh, and you're saying it doesn't smell... But you've just delivered cattle waste. That's quite stinky. No, 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 not cattle waste. No, no, it's garden waste. Garden waste. Oh, garden waste. Oh, so like leaves and, and grass and things. Yeah, when you go to the council tip, you throw your garden waste in a big yeah. uh, skip. Yep, yep. Pick it up and take it into this place and then chop it all up, make it in the compost. And you're saying there's no smell there whatsoever? No, no smell. It's got to be coming from somewhere else, but it's not coming from there. Mark, let's turn this story upside down. What smells make you smile? <laughs> uh, for me, my wife. The smell of Mark's wife makes him smile. What a romantic, um, what a romantic image that is. Let's all just imagine, let's imagine all of us just crouched. Mark, what's your wife's name? Glenda. Glenda? Let's imagine us all crouched around Glenda. Having a sniff.
She smells lovely. Linda, do you want to smell Glenda? No. Okay. What have you called in for, Linda? Um, well, I've just pulled over um, because I've just been listening to your um, callers on the noise pollution of uh, Luton Airport. And um, just to say that I live in Slip End. I've lived in Slip End since 1987. And it's the first time that I've actually written a letter of complaint to them um, oh. because I was woken up at five o'clock in the morning um, last week and I just lay there um, after the first plane woke me up and um, heard the planes going over, over, over. Yeah. And um, I wrote to them. I got a reply back from the Environmental Health Officer to say that 19 planes had gone over between 6 and 7 in the morning. Oh, um, And also, we hear planes at night now as well. Now, this isn't something that's happened... Well, it's happened recently because, as I say, I've lived there since 1987, and now the noise pollution there, the planes going over, is just unbearable. And I complained because... You think of children, you think of the elderly. All of their sleep is being disrupted. I also um, put in my complaint about how can you tell or measure the 80 decibel level, which is supposed to be the, mm. the maximum. And the worst thing is that I find out that Luton Borough Council are the owners of Luton Airport. Oh, yeah, that's... I mean, that's... Uh, that, I've got to move on, Linda, but, yes, that's, that's well known that Luton Borough Council are involved in uh, in uh, the airport and certainly make a lot of money from it. Linda, I've got to move on to move on to our uh, next guest, who's a professor, no less. A smell so bad it made bowlers wretch and children cry is still getting up people's noses in Cuffley. They should take Glenda down there. They should pass Glenda around, have a good sniff on her. Last week, residents described it as the worst smell yet, as the Environment Agency received over 100 complaints. They're now considering taking legal action to put a stop to the stench. Well, Professor Don Davis lives 600 metres away from the site and joins me now. Morning, uh, Don. Good morning. How bad was that smell last week? Atrocious. Your previous caller said that what was being composted was household garden green yes. waste. Is that correct? That's, that's correct. That's that. Well, he, he had certainly um, dropped a load off there, yes. Well, if it's household garden green waste, our green waste, we're in, encouraged to put food in, and I'm afraid dog owners put something else in as well. And that would explain the fact that the smell is always of excrement. The guest that we uh, spoke to, thank you for choosing your words delicately, the, the, the gentleman that we spoke to uh, said that when he dropped off his load... His load of what? Waste. Yes, well, where does he get this waste from? He said he was collecting it from the local recycling centre and it was, it was garden waste. That He said there was no smell, Don. So well, is it possible that it comes and goes? He's suffering from acute anosmia, I'm afraid. Hello? Hello? I said he's suffering from acute anosmia. How do you know that the composter is to blame for the smell? Because the Environment Agency said they couldn't definitely confirm it. When I got the smell, whenever we get the smell here, and we've had 28 days of bad smells since the end of June, whenever we get the smell here, I walk towards the composter. And when I get nearer the composter, the smell gets worse. So the obvious conclusion that I make is that the smell is coming from the composter. 
OK. What could be done to stop this, Don? Because it, for those people who do, uh, you know, and it, it is very serious. The, the kids were, kids aren't allowed to play outside on a hot day and, and the, the bowling club has had to cancel matches. What can actually be done to stop it? Well, they can re- revoke the permit, which was given for Greenway's compost. And your caller just now has demonstrated that what's going into the compost is other than Greenway's because... Mm. Our brown bins contain food and dog excrement. Do people Neither but, but do, now do people put dog excrement in the br- Don's, do, do people put excrement in the in the brown bins? Well, I don't, but many dog owners do. Ask around, you'll find that. Do you know what? That's an excellent question. Um, can we put this, uh, uh, Kath? Can we put this out there? I think it's a really good question because I'm considering getting a dog. And um, when you're out and about and your dog does a whoopsie, you pick it up in the, and there's those red bins in the parks and you put it in there. If a dog does a whoopsie in your back garden, where on earth do you put it? Exactly. Wouldn't you put it down the toilet? I don't think you're allowed to flush dog poo down the toilet. Do you know, Don? I have no idea. Don, I really appreciate your time and, and your thoughts on this. Professor Don Davis, um, leads us on to a very interesting question. If you're a dog owner and a dog does a poo at your home... Where do you put the excrement? Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's slow on the A1 between Junction 8 for Hitchin and 7 for Stevenage and the M25 has delays anti-clockwise from Junction 17 for Maple Cross to 16 for the M40. Also in Denham on the A412 it's very slow between the M40 at Denham and the Seven Hills Road in Ivor Heath. In Beaconsfield on Amersham Low it's busy now between Longbottom Lane and the A40 London Road and also looking at the M40 on the cameras it's very busy at Junction 5 for the A40 at Soken Church and the visibility looks quite bad too with the surface spray with the bad weather and on the trains the 848 service from Luton to Brighton has been delayed. Samantha Brough, BBC Three Counties Radio. Sammy, what's your favourite smell? What what smell puts a smile on that cycling Lilies. face of yours? Lilies. Oh, isn't that marvellous? The flowers of death. Thank you very much indeed. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's half past eight, I'm Lee Agnew. The headlines, London Luton Airport says it wants strict noise levels on planes relaxed. It says that an increase in aircraft numbers means more noise is inevitable, but they want to reduce the volume in the long term. Three people will appear in court this morning, charged with a murder in High Wycombe. It follows the death of 26-year-old Lee Gillespie, who was stabbed in Church Street on Saturday. And people from Cuffley in Hertfordshire are considering legal action to stop a smell, they say, comes from nearby Cattlegate Farm. But experts from the Environment Agency couldn't confirm it if it originates from the permitted compost facility there. The weather will be cloudy at first this morning with heavy rain, but clearing to leave a dry and sunny end to the day, top temperatures around 21 degrees Celsius at 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The MK Dons will play Southampton at Stadium MK in the third round of the Capital One Cup. It follows their 2-1 win after extra time against Cardiff. Manager Carl Robinson was impressed with his side. It's 10 of the 14 players we've used 24 and under 23 and under to an extent so when you look at that that's a really young side that started and when we put all the subs on they were young as well so I thought the players really conducted one well. so a young side who, who I think have really entertained this evening against a very good Cardiff side 
A stoppage time equaliser forced extra time for Luton against Stoke at Kenilworth Road. With the score level, the Hatters lost 8-7 on penalties to the Premiership side. After Luton's poor start to the season, manager John Still hopes they can build on the performance. We haven't played well. I keep saying it. we didn't play well last season when we started. We didn't play well the season before. But gradually we'll play well. I don't know when it'll be, but we will. And we'll come strong and we'll be strong. And uh, we've done all right tonight. Yeah, we have. We've done all right. Just, just all right. We've done all right. And Watford lost 1-0 at Preston North End. The Hornets fell behind early on and finished the game with 10 men. Mo Farah's through to the final of the 5,000 metres at the World Athletics Championships in Beijing. However, he nearly fell over after being tripped late in his heat. For sure, but you know, everyone's there. I think most of the guys who are going to give me a run for my money is, um, is the guys in that heat and maybe one or, one or two guys in the first heat. So the second heat was definitely loaded, a lot more loaded. Greg Rutherford will receive his gold medal today after yesterday's victory in the long jump, while Usain Bolt and Justin Gatling compete in the men's 200-metre semi-finals. BBC Three Counties News and Sport, more at nine o'clock. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8.34, it's the time of the day where we look back on this day in history. These are some of the big stories that were hitting the headlines on August the 26th throughout history. 1986, the Soviets launched the space station Mir. The Soviets opened a new phase in space exploration with the launch of the world's biggest space station. 1993, two boys charged with toddler's murder. Two 10-year-old boys are charged with the abduction and murder of two-year-old James Bolger in Liverpool. 1983, hundreds die in Assam pole violence. 1989, an IRA bomb uh, uh, goes off in Turnhill Barracks. And on a lighter note, 1962, US spaceman orbits Earth. The name of the first US spaceman to orbit Earth, girls, do you know? All right, stay on the line. Mia? It was John Glenn, the first American to orbit the Earth, land safely in the Atlantic Ocean. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Interesting question popped up there. If you're a dog owner, which I may be in a few weeks' time... um, and the dog does a, a whoopsie in the park. You know what to do. You bag it and you uh, put it in those red bins that they still have uh, around. But if a dog does it at home, what do you do with it then? I'm sure I heard it was illegal to flush dog excrement down the uh, down the toilet because the, the two excrements aren't allowed to mix. I'm sure I heard that. 03459 455555. Well, Petter's called in. Morning, Petter. Morning, Ian. Is that true? You can't flush dog excrement down the toilet? I have no clue about that one. OK, but... well, what, what, what do you do with yours? Well, Not your, your dogs? Re- <laughs> well, basically, I, I was told, because I've got a guide dog, and I was told double bag it and put it in a normal bin. You double bag it and then just put it in the bin? Yeah, it, a normal bin, it, yeah. Do, do you, my... there is no red bin around. OK, but what if it does it in your back garden? Yeah, and then I pick it up, double bag it still, and yes. put it in... Um, the kitchen bin? Household, no, household bin outside, yeah. OK. Uh, OK, not, so just... Not the, not the brown bin, though. No, you wouldn't put it in the recycling? No, no. John, in Datchworth, is, is, is what Petter's saying, does that make sense to you? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm under the impression that you're not supposed to flush it. Um, it's illegal, isn't it? 
I'm not sure about the illegal, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming mm. it's right. Um, I know people have got manholes in their gardens. I've got one in my garden, but um, you're not even supposed to. I know you're not supposed to put it down a manhole, which obviously would be the same. I would never consider putting it, excrement so. down a manhole. Yeah, you know, like the the, the waste drains that your, your toilet yeah. would go through. So yeah. I mean, obviously, all you'd be doing there is bypassing the, the China horse, isn't it? I mean, who in their right mind, after letting their dog do it in the garden, would carry it into the house and put it down the toilet anyway? Petter, you you, you, you certainly wouldn't put it down your toilet, Petter. No, definitely wouldn't. OK, well, that's great. I really it's appreciate it. It's my mind. OK. <laughs> Petter, John, thank you very much indeed. 03459 455 555. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well... You can probably hear uh, I have a guest setting up in the studio. Um, we've been talking about noises and smells this morning, so let's talk about another of our senses, taste. It's the summertime, and on days when it's not raining, you might like to sit out in the garden with a glass of something cool. But I'm willing to um, bet my house it's um, not beer, rosé or prosecco uh, that my next guest has brought in this morning. Uh, Catherine, could you come and join us in the studio, please? As I know you like a, a, a tip or two. I don't mean anything by that. Uh, Peter Robinson joins me from Where Wine and Beer Circle, also the chairman of the National Association of Amateur Wine and Beer Makers. You're a qualified wine and beer judge. How do you judge beer? Um, well, just drink lots of it. Uh, <laughs> Is it as simple as that? Uh, we, we do have guidelines for judging them. There's a marking scheme where we assess for various things. What kind of things are you looking um, for? Obviously taste, texture, yeah, Well, we colour? start off with colour, um, head and condition for a beer. Uh, we're looking at um, the bouquet, so mm-hmm. we're talking about smells, and then the taste is the main factor. What now? Listen, I, I'm, this is why I brought Catherine because she likes to drink. I haven't had a drink for for almost eleven years. Uh, what is considered to be um, a good head on a beer? Is it is it kind of a thick head, or is it because some beers you don't get a head at all? What what is considered good head? It depends on the style of beer. Actually, some beers right. you're looking more uh, for that. It's a fairly sort of tight head. Uh, appropriate to the style, mm. uh, and it should last for a while, okay. as opposed to just dissipating very quickly. Now, it's not <coughs> beer or wine that you've brought in today, is it? No, no. Well, you asked me to bring mead. So. Mead. Uh, Me- now, mead conjures up images to me, Catherine, mm-hmm. of um, of uh, like Henry VIII and of the olden days and people dashing, knights dashing around on, on horses. Is that where it originates from? Well, it goes back a lot further than that, really. I mean, mead is the uh, oldest alcoholic drink, really, because when you think about it, honey has you know, been around naturally for a long time. Yeah, we didn't have sugar, I think, till widely till the 18th century. So, what is mead? What's in it? Um, well, my definition of mead would be it's an alcoholic beverage where most of the uh, fermentable sugar is derived from honey. Okay. But it can have other ingredients in as well, and there are different styles. So we have something called piment, which might have grape juice, sizer, which will have apple juice, melomels, which can have all of the fruits. Mm. Uh, there's methaglins, which have herbs and spices. Or you can have a braggot, which oh. has malt extract and hops. So. I'll, have, I'll, I'll have two braggots, please. Yeah, I brought some along, actually. Have you? <laughs> uh, now, do, do, do they sell mead in, in pubs? If I was to go down to the local um, um, uh, Whitbread pub, or, or, or uh, would, they, would they have it there? Some might. I wouldn't guarantee you get it at it's every a bit more pub. They've probably got uh, 
some hopefully a good pub would have a bottle. How many? What, what have you got for us today? How, how many have you got? Uh, well, I brought seven in all. That may so be I've a little bit much. Most of the different styles and and different levels of sweetness. So okay, I don't know I, what you want. I tell you what, let's 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 look. Let's have three, just because I know mm-hmm. that Catherine's got to drive home at some point and pick up the kids. <laughs> so have I. So so let's let's try three. You you pick the three that you think will have the most distinct flavours. Ever had mead before? No, I no. That's one I haven't had before. Oh look, it's yellow. I thought it would be. Oh, there we go. There's, that's why I expect it to be that kind of brownie yeah. colour. More like an ale. And where have you? These 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 look homemade, Peter. You've not made these yourself, yeah. have yeah, you? Sorry, they all. Um, actually, to be honest, I've made two of them. Actually, four of them were made by my wife. So. Oh, fantastic! I have to give her credit because she's probably <laughs> listening. <laughs> and how long does it make to uh, take to make a bottle of mead? Uh, it doesn't take long to make it. It's actually very easy to make. Um, however, you do need to mature it for a right. while. Mead is a drink that. You know, benefits from being left at least a year and probably longer. In fact, most of these are probably about at least three years old. Okay, well, what's the let's, let's go for um, three and let's, yeah. what's the first one that let's Catherine's going to try? Let's try a methaglin. Well, I don't so drink this... alone. You're going to join me, aren't you, Peter? Oh, I'll have some. Yes, Excellent. don't worry. I, I think Peter. Yeah, I, I, you, <laughs> I, you try and stop him. Okay. Um, what, 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 what's this jug for? Am I supposed to? Well, if you've got left, some left over in your glass and you want to. All right. There won't be any. Get something else so you don't mix okay, them out. Okay, Catherine. Um, the uh, swig away. Oh. What is it? Oh, <laughs> now you've recalled from that wine. Tell me what it smells like. It smells. It's not a beery smell. It's a kind of really no, sweet smell. Probably a meaty smell. I'd... Yeah. It's yeah, a bit well, like. All right. Well, it's, it smells a bit kind of. Brandyish to me. Okay, well, Peter's gone in there. He's not even messing around. He's in. Like it's, it tastes a bit like sherry, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, I suppose actually that's that's not. What not is this one, like Peter? This. What have we got so here? So this is a methaglin. This is about medium dry, so yeah. it's on the drier end. And this has got um, coriander, cloves, Ooh. cinnamon, and Ooh. all spice in. Oh, Christmassy. I was going to say it sounds, it sounds very yeah, wintry. Yeah, you yeah. could have this sort of thing, mould. I think they, they used to do that yeah. quite a lot. These star was very popular in Elizabethan times. Can, so. I, can I sniff your rim? Yes. Because yeah. mm. I mean, so I'm not going to drink it. Mm. Oh, that's got, uh, oh, that's got a very strong smell. That smells nice. spices, yeah. Yeah, that smells really nice. It smells really nice. Yeah. Catherine, what do you make of it? Um... I could drink that. What do you normally drink? As I know, I know you drink quite a bit. What do you normally <laughs> like to drink? I like uh, red wine wise. I think Merlot's an easy drinker, isn't it? I find it easy. Oh, white wine. I mean, I'm not full safe. <laughs> Stop looking at me like that. You're making <laughs> out that I'm a massive boozer. Are, are you drunk already? <laughs> How strong is this stuff, Peter? Um. Well, again, it can vary. Meat, meat comes out probably between 12 and 15%. So it's very similar it to a strong. wine, but it can be... This is probably a fairly strong one. OK, mm. let's, um, uh, let's, let's move on to mead number two. What, what are you selecting for, right. for us now? By the way, if you've got any mead stories, 03459 455 555. I mean, I, I, say I haven't had a drink for a long time. Uh, but boy, oh boy, that stuff is pungent. I'm, I'm um, getting is. a contact high. Where, where are we going let's, now, let's Peter? Let's just try an order. Let's go for something a bit sweeter. Don't you like things sweet? Not necessarily. No, I'm more of a dry white wine right. type person. I'm a very dry we'll woman. Sweet Again, I'm not fussy, though, so let's have a go. Um, oh, yeah, so that doesn't smell as... Um, yeah, this is just, smell as sherry-like, this is, does it? This is just honey, you see. So this is just a straight mead. All right. So it hasn't got those additions. OK, Kath, go on. You're, you're sniffing let's have it. have a go. OK, she's uh, drinking it. Peter's drinking it. Oh, blimey. She's saying, oh, blimey. Yeah, that's a bit... Well, that's a bit cough medicine-y to me. <laughs> I've got a bit of a sore throat, actually. 
it could help. And I, this, I guess, this kind of stuff could help. But they often say if you've got a sore throat, then mm. have a bit of whiskey. But this could probably do oh, yeah, the job. Oh yeah, I mean that again is one of the traditions of mead. You know, it was it was used. Uh, it was medicinal for medicinal purposes, Isn't and that often funny? with the the herbs and spices. Isn't that funny? I suppose in, so because it's got it's got all those things in the honey and the herbs and the spices. Um, so just describe what, what 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 is in this one. This is just the honey. Yeah, this is just this will be just straight honey. Can I sniff your rim again? Just, yeah, that's uh, that's a lot easier to drink, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's it's the, the smell is um is less um uh, obtrusive. You know, it's mm. it's it's a lot softer. Yeah. When would you have mead, Peter? Do you have it for a meal? Do you have it after a hard day at work? Would you have it for lunch? When it's the best probably. Time? I think we term it a social drink so right. it's not something you'd have a whole bottle of with your dinner it's not <laughs> we're gonna crack open the mead this evening <laughs> yeah. come on finish the bottle off um so yeah so socially just a glass in the evening while you're relaxing uh maybe the sweeter one you could have after dinner mm-hmm. listen Peter, i have to go to the travel can you stick around for a few more minutes yep, so i want to get that third one i want to find out a little bit more about you and your wife making this it's bbc three counties radio i'm ian leeds 8 45 um if i just click this button here we should have sammy bruff with the travel Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the Ridgeway in both directions, just by the M25, it's been closed because there's been an accident at the M25 Junction 24 for Potter's Bar between there and Oak Avenue and Gordon Hill. So that's stopping people from getting between Cockfosters and Enfield. Uh, traffic's being diverted via Cockfosters and Enfield. It's, it's right by the St John's School, so it caused some delays if you're heading there. In Denham on the A412, it's very slow on Denham Road, southbound from the M40 at Denham towards Seven Hills Road and Ivor Heath. And also the M25 anti-clockwise from Junction 17th Mobile Cross to 15 for the M4 is very slow and the M40 into London is busy at Junction 5 for the A40 at Stoke and Church and elsewhere on the A1M southbound it's very slow at the moment between Junction 8 for Hitchin and 7 for Stevenage and bad weather could be adding to those problems and causing visibility problems. On the trains there are no major delays showing up on the departure boards at the moment. Samantha Bruff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you Sammy. Where are we? 8.46, Wednesday the 26th of August. You don't want to go anywhere today. It's absolutely awful out there. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Luton Airport is asking for the rules on noise levels from its planes to be relaxed to allow for expansion. Three people will appear in court this morning, charged with murdering a 26-year-old man in Wickham, and residents of Cuffley are accusing a nearby farm of creating a noxious smell that's making them feel sick. Well, the smell in the studio this morning is absolutely delightful. Kath's mead tasting. We'll have some more of that after we get the weather. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Um, we've got a rather wet and windy, at least morning, on the cards today. We've got some heavy rain and the Met Office has a yellow weather warning in place for this heavy rain. It's working its way through Buckinghamshire at the moment, parts of Bedfordshire, but West Hearts isn't going to get away with it either. It is pushing eastwards the whole time. So these heavier bursts aren't going to last all day. It will fragment. We've still got some pulses moving through, but the wind, a strengthening southwesterly, will gradually uh, push that through this afternoon. So behind it, we should even see some sunshine which if you look up at the moment seems fairly unlikely but yes by the end of the afternoon it should be a lot brighter maximum temperature up to 21 celsius overnight a quiet night still one or two showers but most places dry minimum temperature 11 celsius a quieter day for thursday as well some sunny spells the breeze a lot lighter maybe one or two uh, showers tomorrow afternoon but they're hit and miss not everywhere's going to get them maximum temperature for thursday 20 celsius and that's your forecast 
This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, if um, you're wondering why we're slurring a little bit, it's because uh, we're joined by Peter Robinson from the Ware Wine and Beer Circle, and uh, you brought in a load of uh, a load of mead for us. Catherine's testing the uh, tasting the mead. We've had two so far. Mm-hmm. You, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Can you recite the alphabet backwards? I couldn't do that before. Okay, we've got th- third and final one, Peter, of the collection you brought in. What, what's it going to be? Okay, well let's uh, let's see if Catherine can work out. Right, let's have a look. Might be. Oh, this is Has a this got a secret one? ingredient. Hmm. Oh blimey, that's that's going to blow my head off. <laughs> it's a it's a, it's a du- it's a, it's, can, can you tell the strength by the darkness at all? Does that give any indication? Or that's just no, the no, no, no. It's, smell, it's, I mean... it's either the base of the honey. Some honeys are darker than others, yep. or it's the additives that you put in. Okay. You, you wait till you sniff this one. Okay. She's wincing. Oh. And now she's dancing. <laughs> that's um. Let's have a little sniff. Let's have a little sniff of that. What's that got in it? Is that some sort of berry or something that's given it a slightly um, pungent tang? Mm. Well, it is a fruit. It's a melomel, mm. so it has got a fruit. Um, the fruit's actually orange. Is it? Mm. Ah. Yeah, now so, you've said it. I've, now you've said it. I can smell it. Yeah, yeah a bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, it takes the sweetness off a bit. You so see, you've got that citrus. It does, yeah. And the... Uh, um, you uh, you were uh, telling us that you have you store, you store these in a special place at home to keep them nice and cool. Yep. You built an extension for these, didn't you? Yeah. Ever considered that you might have a problem? It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ever crossed your mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, how, how, how much time? I mean, do you spend all of your, your time making different kind of boozes? Um, quite a bit of it, yes. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I mean, a lot of stuff. I get involved with a lot of committee work because, I'm, as I say, I'm involved. I'm chairman of the National Association and I'm treasurer of our wine circle. So, And I suppose um, uh, at Christmas, your, all your Christmas presents are sorted. You're just giving every, all your friends bottles of wine and beer and mead and um, things. It's always a tricky one, actually, because... Um, I enter a lot of competitions, so I don't want to give away my very best ones. I want to save them oh. for the competition. And obviously, oh. if you've got ones that are not so good, you don't want to give them away. So you need some that are you know, in the middle, really. Well, are you allowed to tell us what is your, your best booze that you've made yourself? Your, if you were going to enter a competition, you'd go in with that and go, yeah, I stand a really good chance. Ooh. Or is well, it top secret? Well, no, no, I'm always experimenting, really. Right. I'm, always, I'm always trying mm. new things. That's part of the... Yeah, the, the appeal of the hobby, really. So but I don't a, stick to the same recipes. You've been yeah. such a good sport. I really. Pre- Are you okay, Catherine? Yeah, I'm just thinking. Maybe the the middle one was quite good for my throat. I don't think you should have any more. Uh, Peter, if people want to find out more about the organisations or they want to find out just more about mead or wine or or, or, or beer, apart from going to the local boozer, where else could they could they go? Right. Well, just to plug our own circle, Wear Wine and Beer Circle, we've got a website, www.bc.org.uk. Mm-hmm. So you can go along there and have a look at and what we do. And people just turn up and <clears throat> drink beer and wine and discuss yep. its finer points. Well, yes, indeed, of course. Yeah, okay. yeah, but yes, people are very welcome to uh, come and join us any time. So um, we've obviously got a feedback on the website, so if you just want to get in touch... Um, or if you're interested, you know, why do you don't live anywhere near us, um, we can put you in touch with with other clubs. Give us, give us that website one more time. www.bc.org.uk Peter Robinson, you've been a great sport. Catherine, I think you should probably go and have a, a lie down and a cool shower. Thank you very much. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, if there's one place you should be able to switch off, it's the toilet. But not according to the mental health charity Mind, who say one in six workers admit to checking their work emails 
whilst on the loo. They say it highlights an unhealthy work-life balance and are urging companies to keep clear boundaries between work and time off. Well, Amy G is from Mind and she uh, joins me on the line now. Morning, Amy. I'm sounding shocked and disgusted. So you can hear Peter tidying up his booze in the background. Ignore the clanking of glasses. I I sound shocked and disgusted, but actually, do you know what? I I do that all the time. Uh, well, you see, you, you're not alone. Um, as you say, one in six people are doing this. Um, and in addition, we know that, um, uh, you know, people, lots of people, two in five people regularly checking their work emails outside of work. Um, and also we found that only half of people think that their manager actually respects that they have a life outside of work. So we, w- we think that's probably the cause of it. Um, you know, people just feeling that they, they can't switch off after work and they need to almost be on call 24-7. That is quite worrying, isn't it? Because the the the, the traditional nine to five, even the traditional hour long lunch break, they're all gone. And we are. I I went on holiday last week and I smashed my phone by accident, and I was furious. In the first couple of days, it was really uncomfortable, and then I realised I was unreachable, Amy, and it was wonderful. It's liberating, isn't it? It really, it really is. is. And I, but- no, no, nothing changed. No, no one died. Nothing collapsed. The world still went on turning. I think that's the point. I think no matter how passionate you are about your job and how indispensable we all think we all are at, at work, you know, you 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 should be switching off. It is good for your mental health to be going home and switching off and taking some time away from work. You come back refreshed. You come back um, much better and much more able to focus. Um, and uh, you know, and as you as you rightly point out, more often than not, nothing bad has happened in the meantime. Um, only good things can come out of it. But so many people aren't taking the time to look after themselves, and they're just opening themselves up to develop you know to developing um you know potentially problems with their mental health further down I, the line i was going to ask amy why why is mind the mental health charity why is mind concerned with this so um, our, we, we do a lot of work with businesses um, looking at mental health at work. You know, m- most people spend an awful lot of their time at work. It's really key in terms of, um, you know, it has the potential to really enhance your well-being. Um, we know that working is really good for people. But if you're working in a toxic workplace that isn't looking after your mental health, then this can be uh, a really bad thing. Um, and this is something that every single employer should be looking at. It costs, you know, businesses £26 billion a year. Stress is the leading cause of sickness absence now. Um, so this is a huge issue and it's you know obviously one that we're very concerned about but what can we do if if we have to work and if we have to answer these emails and our bosses know that we're contactable 24 7 365 what what can you know the the average joe do well, the starting point for us is that employers need to be tackling this. We need to be seeing senior managers, you know, people higher up the chain, setting a good example. If you come in in the morning and you've seen that your boss has been sending you emails at 11 o'clock at night, the expectation is there that, you know, well, they're working all hours, so you should be too. But if you're finding, obviously it's difficult if you're an individual employee, if you're finding that you are in that situation, um, uh, then we would urge you to, to, to say something, urge you mm. to talk to somebody and say, look, you know, I do have a life outside of work, I do need to switch off. And I can't be contactable all, all hours of the day. It, you know, it just isn't. It just isn't acceptable. We do realise that not all workplaces is an easy place to have that that sort of conversation. Um, but that, you know, that's why we're just trying to raise awareness and get people talking about it. Amy, I really appreciate your time this morning. That's Amy G from Mind, uh, telling us that we should not be checking our emails whilst we're on the lavatory. 
03459 555555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. It's just seven days until National Cycle to Work Day. It aims to get people to swap their car for their bicycle for at least one day in the year. But will people jump at the chance to take their bike to work? We sent our reporter Danny Fulbrook to the streets to find out. I want to ride my It's just over a week until Cycle to Work Day. The national event aims to encourage everyone to take two wheels and cycle to work on September 3rd. I asked cyclists in Dunstable what they feel the benefits are of cycling to work. I cycle to work every day, so... Uh, what are the benefits of cycling to work? Uh, well, these days, traffic, apart from your health reasons, obviously, but traffic... Uh, I've, I've cycled to work when I can for a long time more people did it, probably be less traffic on the road, we'd all get to work quicker. Do you think more people should be doing it? It, it, it depends on it depends on your, what time scale you've got and circumstances really, doesn't it? But yeah. You used to cycle to work, you don't anymore, yeah. but when you did, what did you find the benefits were? Well the benefits were obviously fitness and uh, once you got into it, the, the enjoyment of, of actually riding on the morning and knowing that you were going to you know, get the heart pumping and, and get going and seeing what you could see on the bike, a lot more interesting than in a car. Do you think and more people should be cycling to work? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, it's fun. Once you get once you get used to it, it's, it just becomes part of, of what you do. You don't even think about it. But what about motorists? Are they prepared to abandon their cars in favour of a bicycle? Would you give up your car to cycle to work? Yes, I would, yeah. Why is that? Um, because cycling's fun and also getting fit is, is pretty crucial and driving's boring. No, because I work quite far away. <laughs> no, I work quite far away. So, yeah, if it was nearer where I needed to go to, then yeah, but I have workers support workers, so I need my car, because we go out and about. I live quite far away from work, so probably not. So you kind of rely on your car? Yeah, that's true. I live in Australia, mate, so no. It's... Well, how far is work from you? Uh, good half an hour. Yeah. Long way. 40 degrees, you see melt on that push bike. Then you've got to do a whole shift while you're there, sweating like a piglet. Can't be done, mate. Need the old good old air conditioning in the car. What about in this country? Do you think it's a thing that can be done? Absolutely. Yeah, just, yeah, just to keep warm, mate. It's freezing. It's summertime. <laughs> hey? I want to ride my bicycle. I want to ride it where I like. <sighs> Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the bridgeway, it's been partially blocked in both directions by an accident between the M25 Junction 24 for Potters Bar and Gordon Hill at Oak Avenue, so that's near St John's School. In Denham on the A412 Denham Road, it's very busy between the M40 at Denham and Seven Hills Road in Iverheath. And just having a look at the M25 anti-clockwise, it's very slow from Junction 17 for Maple Cross to 15 for the M4. And the M40 is slow too from around Junction 5 for the A40 at Stoken Church. And the A1M has delays southbound between Junction 8 for Hitchin and 7 for Stevenage. In Stoke Hammond, we just had reports that it's very slow northbound between Stoke Road at Linsdale and Drayton Road at Water Eaton. And looking at the train departure wards, there are no major delays showing up at the moment. Samantha Bruff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sammy. 
Thanks to everyone who took part on the show. Thank you, girls. Excellent production work. On tomorrow's show, we're speaking to Michael Audrison and Gillian Bailey, stars of the Double Deckers, no less. And should we bring back hanging? Now, it's JVS. And vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Excellent show. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Wednesday, it's nine o'clock, it's raining, but never mind. Coming up on today's big phone-in, I want to know from you, do women-only train carriages sound a good idea? Jeremy Corbyn has said he'd consider women-only rail carriages to help reduce assaults on public transport. Mr Corbyn says he'll consult women on the suggestion. It comes after figures from British Transport Police suggest sex offences on trains and at stations have risen by 25% to record levels. But Conservative MP Sarah Wollaston has said that the women-only carriages proposal wouldn't actually protect anyone. Well, this morning I want to hear your response to this. Do women-only train carriages sound a good idea to you? Here's my telephone number for your call. It's 03459 455555. This is the JVS Show on BBC Three Counties Radio. I'll take your call in just a second, but first let's get the latest BBC News at nine o'clock. Here's Lee Agnew. London Luton Airport says it wants strict noise levels on its planes relaxed. It says that an increase in aircraft numbers means more noise is inevitable. But Andrew Lambourne from Hertfordshire against Luton expansion says a compromise can be reached. They have to incentivise the use of quieter aircraft, but obviously being practical, you can't just change your entire fleet overnight. So what they should do is drive the airlines towards the use of of quieter aircraft by showing that that would make sense to them. Three people have been charged in connection with a murder in High Wycombe. It follows the death of 26-year-old Lee Gillespie in Church Street on Saturday. They'll appear at High Wycombe Magistrates Court this morning. A charity says that up to a quarter of a million children and mentally vulnerable adults are being deprived of the support of an appropriate adult while in police custody. The National Appropriate Adult Network says it puts them at risk of miscarriages of justice. Its chief executive, Chris Barth, says that in many areas there are too few people trained to do the job. It looks like around a quarter to a fifth of people flowing through police custody are actually mentally vulnerable. And the police seem to be identifying about 3%. So we need the police to do better at that. The government is putting in place investment in identification of mental vulnerability. Our big concern is what happens if there are no appropriate adult services once you've identified those people. A drunken man who drove at his wife and knocked her to the ground at a traveller's site in Bedfordshire has been jailed for 18 months. Kimberly Smith tried to stop Billy Joe Smith driving off when she saw he had alcohol in the car at Chimney Corner in Kempston Hardwick. The judge at Luton Crown Court told the 26-year-old he was lucky his ex-partner hadn't been more seriously injured. People from Cuffley and Hertfordshire are considering legal action to stop a smell, they say, is coming from nearby Cattlegate Farm. Experts from the Environment Agency couldn't confirm the odour comes from a permitted compost facility there. But Professor Don Davis, who lives nearby, says it's obvious where it's coming from. I walk towards the composter and when I get nearer the comp-